Hello, and welcome to Scuttlebutt, the war movie review podcast. We're happy to have you with us as we take a look at films from the dawn of cinema to today. We aim to provide a raw and unapologetic review of each film's cinematography, historical accuracy, and delivery. In the process of analysis, certain details will be revealed. These spoilers are only divulged to ensure a fair assessment of each film. We take to the skies over the trenches this week with Tony Bill's 2006 World War I aerial epic, Flyboys. 2016. Started over. It's 2006. It's 2006, dude. Is it? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's an old film. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no wonder it's so shitty. <laughs> Don't cut that part, Nate. <laughs> oh, fuck. I thought... So, anyway, I'll, I'll do the intro one more time. And yeah, can okay, I'm do. sorry. Yeah, that was my fuck up. I, I, okay. As always, I'm joined by Mike A. Hello. Mike B. Yes, sir. And unfortunately, Nate did not make it back from the Dawn Patrol, so here's three cheers to him in his new billet in the German POW camp. Huzzah. Hip, hip. Fuck you. <laughs> hip, hip, fuck you. So anyway, what do you guys think? Uh, I, you know, I, I'd seen this movie years ago, um, and it's just, it's one of those things where like, I'm so bored watching it that I, I don't think I've ever like watched it all the way through. I think both times, last night I started to do this and I think the first time I saw it, I started to do this too. I was fast forwarding all of through all of the romance scenes and uh i mean (laughs) it's and i don't hate romance you know when it's done well i know exactly where you're going so yeah yeah but i'm just like i i can't do it like no i can't do it i mean it was uh i i just i i don't know dude like i i just wanted to see the terrible cgi and make fun of it and all that stuff (laughs) and you know like i just I couldn't stand this 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 relationship that was forced upon me uh, to uh, to observe and um, yeah so that's my I guess I, I, and not only that but it's just stupid like the, the whole movie is just stupid so anyway <laughs> yeah I'll jump in here quick and say this is in my opinion World War One Pearl Harbor it's yeah. like you know yeah it's dumbed down for people yes. that know that something happened. And Nate had uh, don't mean to, to don't mean to jump in, but Nate messaged me today because I was like, "Good luck watching this," and he's like, "I don't have to because I didn't know that he wasn't gonna be here," and yeah. uh, and I'm like, and he and I'm like, "Well, you know, fuck you for dodging this movie," and he's like, "Oh, really? Is it that bad?" And and I said, "Yeah," and he said, "Is it like midway bad?" And I said, "It feels like that. It's like an old school story that's made, in, but it's a 21st century movie." but the story feels like it's from the thirties or something like that. Yeah. And it's just cheesy. Yeah. <laughs> we, a few weeks ago we had a poll and this movie was in it and you know, it didn't win obviously. And so now we're reviewing it as well. But Sean told me, you know, he's been on the channel a few times. He was like, you know, whenever you had Flyboys up for a poll, I voted for it. And I'm like, <laughs> thank you for wanting to torture me. But like, <laughs> it's it was so boring. Yeah. I was watching vintage commercials. <laughs> because like I I don't know. I was like oh look here's a Brian Cranston ad for soap in the 1983 yeah let me watch that and like you know as all this love shit's going on I mean I don't know it, it's funny because there've been so many films about World War One flyers through the years you know the first film that ever won an Oscar Wings was about World War One pilots um, so it's it's a thing that's been covered in film like six different ways to Sunday you know and another film that came out around this time that I forgot existed until i hooked this up yesterday is the red baron 
And the Red Baron is very similar to this film in a lot of ways and just as bad. And it's funny exactly. how like you get this wave of the early aughts or mid aughts where it's like these World War One flyer films and it's like oof, what's where worse? it's like this yeah the CGI like spectacle scenery of the beautiful landscape and all that shit in the sky yeah yeah or like there's one shot in the movie where like, they're look they're going over a lake and like you can clearly tell they're like CGI planes and then they go mm-hmm. up and it's like oh there's the even worse version of them because they're not reflected anymore yeah like it's so just you're, funny you're telling you know? me you can't fly through a zeppelin <laughs> well I mean you can try any everything. I but mean, just, just to end my rant, and then I'll, I'll have you take up a bridge. No, it's, but like, it's all good, man. I'm sorry. I don't know. It's just really funny to like, you know, have seen Hell's Angels and Wings, um, and some of the greats, and then watch this, and it's like, really, you know, like, it, I, I don't know. It's just, you know, the last twenty years they've not made good dogfighting movies. It's only know? going going and forward in time, but only making things shittier. Yeah, literally. You know, it's like yeah. Red Tails, and we'll get to. That's, sooner or later, yeah, it's is like it's, it's Star thing. Wars over Italy. Like it's fucking mm-hmm. horrible, you know. And I actually had a friend of mine walk out of museum director. I went to see that Interestingly, that you know that movie was produced by George Lucas of all people. Really, you didn't know that? Well, that's the yeah. Star Wars noises. Like fucking. Yeah. <laughs> and it's funny. He he wanted to make World War Two dogfights in space with Star Wars, and that's then he just funny, made yeah. Star Wars and World War Two with that film. So like fucking. Yeah. It comes Your fucking circle. priorities straight, George. No, no. I, I've always wanted to tell the story of the Red Tails. Oh, oh, God. You know. <laughs> yeah. So, Skiggy Airman was a much better film, even though it's it's very nice. Agreed. But it's, yeah, agreed. Never seen it. Really? It's no. it's very I hear early it's 90s. Like, you know, I, I saw it on the History Channel. Like, that's... Same. It's dated Same. Myself. Yeah. Same. Yeah. It was like it was yep. a little history yep. icon in the bottom left. You know? Fucking... Uh, yep, yep, of course. Yep. But, yeah, on my futon. Oh, God. But what do you call it? Um, yeah, it's just... It's just sad that they don't really make good dogfight films anymore and i know people are like well, what about maverick well maverick's not real so like fucking well um you know it's not necessarily dogfights but uh, we'll have to see how the mighty eighth is which is the third install hbo world war ii installment oh i'm very well i love memphis bell i mm-hmm. really that's such a good movie and the original documentary is great i actually read a memoir recently from a guy that filmed a lot of the b-roll for that like on bombing missions in europe and they had to go against crazy shit to get the footage but long story short um yeah i'm interested to see the mighty eighth um you know, I see. I saw some scenes in it, and they had fiberglass B seventeens, and like when they're on the airfield, like the wings are sagging. So, like you know, we'll have to see how they dealt with some of the stuff. But no, they had a lot of cool production value and things, and there's a lot of neat things. They they built a whole German POW camp, um, for for part of it because one of the guys ends up in a stalag. So, oh, interesting. But uh, yeah, so that will be interesting to see how they can do it. But long story short, on a whole, it's yeah, I was I was let down, um, and uh, it's a movie. So, Mr. World War One expert, what do you think? <laughs> it is a movie, and A, it was a letdown, yes, but I'm also a virgin to this video, or this film, oh, rather. really? Yeah, I've never seen it before. So, instead uh, of shooting yourself it, or jumping out, you rode this motherfucker down <laughs> all the way. I rode this <laughs> motherfucker down <laughs> and happened to survive somehow, but um, it... See, I'm not I'm not at all an expert on World War One aviation. That's that's a that's a like in same with armor. I'm not at all. I more go for like the average like infantry tactics if I'm looking at it at a tactical level, right? And like a uniform level and all that stuff. So I don't know about like the uniforms per se. I knew that there was US and Canadian volunteers, well, mostly US at this point, uh, who would go over there and fly. And yes, I knew that. But 
I don't know how well they're presented. Um, the acting was absolutely fucking atrocious. James Franco, sorry, bud. I know you're famous because of whatever. You fucking, you can't act. That's one of the, the biggest fucking, I mean, everything in this movie is a known, no pun intended, definitely pun intended, a nosedive. Dive. Yes. Yeah. But uh, I mean, him as the lead actor, I'm just like, go fuck yourself. I want to punch this guy in the face. Oh, yeah. It's so terrible. He's so fucking terrible. Like, no, I'm not saying I can do a better job because I'm not a fucking actor. I don't claim to be. But it's like, how do, like everything I've seen him in is just dog shit, no matter what he does. This, why the fuck? What the fuck were the people who casted him thinking? You, you're making say. him a fucking guy from Texas, which his accent's very, very fucking um, not consistent. Mm-hmm. If you notice yes. that. Okay. Like when he first shows up, he definitely is overdoing it. Then eventually, he just kind of goes. Yeah, away. he's from Aberdeen and like whatever. Okay, good, good fucking, good, good for you. But like, okay, that's not the focus. Okay, there are people from Aberdeen, Texas, who do not have a, a like a, a super southern drawl. But it's like Jesus Christ, him out of everyone, portraying somebody who was in the military. Yeah, okay, you can portray somebody that's got the attitude of an American going over there. So overdone, so shitty. Anyway, I'll get off of James's ass for for the time being. I'll get back on it later. It's not good. But like, um, no, the whole, there was so much shit in here that I, as a very amateur World War I historian, know is complete and utter fucking bullshit. And it's like, they didn't even try. They just, they went with the story. They did it very lazily. Um, oh yeah, by the way, I didn't like the film in case you haven't realized it so far. I didn't like it. Um, just, just to get that out of the, out of the way, it'd be very clear. No, it was, it was, this story is cool. The story itself is fucking cool. The way it was presented was so fucking, it wasn't even half ass. It was quarter assed at best with the acting, the fucking cinematography, the fucking uniforms, the etiquette, the, the, everything was just, I mean, what the fuck? Why did you even make it if you're not going to intend to like carry it through to the best of your gut? And if this is the best of their ability, I don't know how the fuck they're still in business. So, but anyway, um, besides that, I mean, like it was kind of cool seeing the airplanes, you know, like uh, fire up because I've actually seen legitimately like um, restored and con- completely correct uh, airplanes fly at the um, EAA air show in Oshkosh, Wisconsin in 2016. And they are fucking awesome. They can take off in a very short, such a short distance. I wasn't aware of this. But like I've seen a Falker uh, DR-6, which is what you see in the film, and a DR-8, which is the monoplane. Um, a, um, uh, not a stop with camel, but like a uh, the French one that they were flying. What the hell Newport. is it called? A Newport, New- yeah. Yep. So I saw a Newport. Um, they can take off very, very shortly. Like It's like 100 yards and they're up. And so that that they actually got right, which is pretty cool. We'll talk about that in a second. But like, there were some things they paid attention to very well, and like they kind of got right in the whole kind of bigger picture. But overall, why the fuck? Why did you Why did you make this if you're not going to do it right, Brian? Yeah, you know, just to add to it, I have been lucky enough to see a lot of these planes. Well, replicas, you know, um, but there's a place in the Hudson Valley in upper New York or upstate New York. It's called Rhinebeck Aerodrome. 
and they do all these World War One like air shows every month, and it's insane. It's it's been going on for like sixty to seventy years now, and they keep going. And they they have it's all World War One. They have like you know guys that bring like RC tanks and stuff, and in the front of it, the entrance there's an original FT seventeen that's painted in like the the, the heart pattern and everything. Mm-hmm. And dude, these are big events. They get like five thousand. No, the RC things like yeah. But it's I hear you. But it's big. But it's cool. Like they build like mini yep, trenches. Yep, yep. But so yep. anyway, I've seen DR ones. I've seen DR sevens. I've seen the monoplane. Um, Sopwiths, everything, and they're even for the replicas, they're beautiful. DR six is what they were amazing. flying the triplanes, right? I think DR one. Was it DR three? Uh, I'm probably fucking this up. Yeah, can you, I think yeah. It's the one we don't have Nate here. We don't have Nate. It might have been. It, was it a DR one? I, I I might have I might have misspoken. But the triplane, like the the red bear and the typical whatever. DR one was the a triplane. DR one. Yep. Huh. What the hell is the DR six? What am I thinking of? Well, the seven was the. Or I'm thinking of. The the Fokker, the seven is the famous Fokker. That's the really famous one they made a shit ton of. Yeah, DR seven, the triplane. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I fucked the, that up. The one that's known as the Fokker, at least in, in my opinion. Yes, my exactly. Opinion. But like, and that's what we I think saw. Because again, I'm not an expert on aviation, so I want to put that out there. So if I misspeak, don't fucking. I think the Germans me. were all in triplanes, right? I mean, I don't no, think no, no not true. Were. In the movie, they were. In the yeah, movie, in the yeah. Film. yeah, yeah, yes. Yeah. In real life, no, they were um they the, oh, the DR sevens were the most common ones, yeah. Yeah, so the DR seven, right? So that's mm-hmm. the that's the most versatile, agile one that you see in this film. But we'll talk about the time frame in a second. The DR eight was the monoplane that came out in like nineteen late nineteen seventeen and like didn't really do much and there was only a few of them made. That thing is a scary sounding motherfucker. But um anyway, so the DR seven, right, is what we see in the film, correct? Yes. No, no, DR1 is what you see in the film. DR7 is it. DR1 can you is just, three. DR7 can you prematurely pull up uh, IMFDB? Just so I can make sure, just so we get to the list. Oh, I have it up here right now. So. Okay, yeah. And it says... It's a DR1. DR1, okay, yeah. okay. That would make sense. Cause it's, the, the thing that pissed me off a lot about this film, too, is they never gave, gave uh, time frames. So they said... Yeah, that was very confusing. It, well, I knew I, I know when it takes place now because of like what they said, but like mm-hmm. so th- this starts in late 1916, okay, and it ends in I think mid to late 1917, right? So yes, yes, that's um that's what I got from just the context of like watching shit and like every, they got so much shit on the ground wrong. It's so bad, um, but like we'll talk about that later. So anyway, yeah, the aerial combat is like the thing about the aerial combat that they did was it was too goddamn fast and too agile. Yeah, like, they're like fucking speeding past <clears throat> each other and everything. They wanted to make a World War II dogfight film with <clears throat> World War One. Yeah. To keep the audience's attention. Because in real life, these planes, although agile, yes, for the time, they're not fucking they're not doing a fucking um um what the hell is it called? The hammerhead, the uh, sh- uh, Chant- Chantrell, Chandrell, whatever. Like where you go, you just fucking pull up, go straight up, stall out, and go uh, to and one drop. side or the other, yeah. and drop, and then get behind your fucking. Tar- Dude, that would have taken so long, and that would have been such a fucking risky move in the real world. Like at that point, like I get it, but like again, you're wanting to show World War Two dogfights with World War One planes. That's not, and also, okay. I'm scatterbrained. Somebody else take the wheel. I'm going to collect my thoughts. Well, no, I'll, I'll get you from there, or I'll take it from there. Like, 
Yeah, I know what you mean. You know, these planes are made of wood and fabric. They didn't have the structural ability to do these crazy. I mean, literally, people, I mean, it still happens rarely, but back in the day, you could die because your plane broke up because of the G. Yeah, without a shot fired. Yeah. Exactly. Yep. Yeah. You know, you yep. can get yourself into a position where things break and struts break and everything. Like, for example, there's this, it's a joke, but there's this, the 60s movie called Mad, 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 Mad World. It's about these oh, I love that movie, to, dude. Oh, I love oh, you, that movie. Dude, that's one of my favorites. Yeah, I, fucking, I love that movie. I've seen it so many times. <laughs> the pilot scene with Mickey Rooney. Oh, my yeah. God. <gasps> yeah. Benji! Benji! Yeah. <laughs> I'm holding the stick! Yeah. <laughs> but uh, there's a scene where they, they rent a, a Jenny, which is a World War I um, like plane very famous. Wait, is that, that the one that's like, oh. yeah, Bubba Butch, Bubba Butch. And it, yeah. He's like, this was made in 1916 and yeah. he was 50 years old at that point. And the guy's like, who's trying to convince his wife to get out, like, listen, it's made in 1916. It's tried and it's true. And then he puts his foot through the fucking fabric. Yeah. So, like, <laughs> yep. it just goes to show that these things are very fragile. And they, they show, mm-hmm. like, this is new technology and stuff, but it's like, it's new technology. Like, this is a fucking kite bag with an engine riveted to it. Like, you know, you. Like they, they only alluded to the fact that you'll die like for one short scene, you know, or like, oh, there's no parachutes and stuff, but like this is you're the cutting edge of this technology and it's fragile. You screw up one little thing and you're dead. You know? And in the film they really didn't show that. These things take like hundreds of bullet rounds and they're still flying and stuff. It's well, like, and they gonna, take so many G's, man. Like, you're gonna I'm break, serious. Yeah, you're gonna break like again, it's framing. It's like a fucking wall above you and around you. And it's like that shit breaks. You lose a few rafters, you're gonna die. It's no, it's it's really not any different than um, like in theater. They have what's called flats, where they can just put up like backgrounds and stuff. Pan, and they're they're made out of uh, canvas. Or they're made out of wood frames with canvas stretched over and then yep. painted to tighten. You know, mm-hmm. and that's basically what they are. You yeah. know, I'm sure there's that's some metal literally there. what they are. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm sure there's some metal bits in them too. But like you know. Yeah, it, it doesn't fucking foil. matter. Yeah, yeah. right. Yeah. Go. <laughs> it's like having metal screws on that frame. Like, right? I know. Yeah. I mean, but, what the uh, fuck? You know? Yeah. It's... That's why, like, the, the part during this movie where uh, the plane overturns on the guy and it's crushing his hand, which seems like it could easily be pulled out. Like, if they wanted to do that scene, I would have said, "Do it his arm instead or his leg." Dude, like, yeah. I thought about that too. I'm like, why don't you dig under your hand? It's yeah, fucking dirt. <laughs> He's just like the, the the plane is like the edge of the plane is just like right here. But anyway. When I saw that, I'm like, James Franco, just fucking turn that thing over. Like, it doesn't weigh <laughs> much, yeah. Yeah. Or other thing, too, is like, it's fabric. You can fucking break Yeah, rip it. through like, it. That's what I'm saying. The, the, the guy tries to Lift the, the wing up, it'll break, and yeah. his arm will be free. The guy like, tries to come it. out and help him, and he's like, it's like, just. Hey, the <laughs> yeah, engine's at the front, buddy. <laughs> right. That's the heaviest part of the goddamn around. plane. Yeah. yeah. It's like when they push it around airfields, they're obviously on wheels, but they weigh like half a ton at the most. Like, they're not that. Well, and the engines were 90% of the weight is, you know? Exactly, yeah, they're front heavy. It's at the front, and it's like, fucking Christ. So there was just just, so much research that that was not done. This really pissed me off, and I think I mentioned this once before when we did Illusions of Grandeur, but they have the scarf scene. They're like, oh, the scarf is so that you don't chafe your neck. No fucking bullshit. And I know I said it in absolute reply. I'll say it again. The engine spat out oil like a motherfucker. They showed that actually a little bit in the yeah, movie. That was cool. On their yep. face. Yeah, that was cool. Oh, yeah, yep. they're always covered. And, when and it's castor hurt, oil. It's castor you. oil, which is a laxative, which makes you shit. So what they would do is they'd have a long fucking scarf, wear it, gets covered in castor oil, throw Shift it in a loop, throw it in yep. another loop. So the whole time you're trying not to fucking, you know, shit your brains out. And the, usually when the pilots got and landed, they didn't go, oh, who'd you get? They fucking ran to the latrine because two hours of, of laxative. You know? Well, and there, there was one scene where they had a pilot throwing up. 
there was one scene right when he landed and I'm like, thank you. And then yeah, I'm like, is... oh, never again in this film because mm-hmm. it's fucked. Yeah. Like, but like literally you're ingesting a laxative and a poison for like, oh the God, yeah. and it, air, it stinks. You know? And it's like, yeah. it's, it, yeah. So that's like a huge thing. Cause like they had rotary engines for the yep. most part. Mm-hmm. And yeah. it's like, well, with a rotary engine, the oil is directly in where the combustion is taking place. Cast oil is not flammable or combustible. That's why they use that as a lubricant. Well, it also happens to fuck up human beings a lot. <laughs> Engines did not become beautifully manufactured things. I mean, there are a few things like the Spitfire engine and stuff, but like, you know, um, till the late 40s, early 50s, that's when like amazingly fine crafting came out to everything. But like, for example, during the war, a Jeep, there's a fucking tag on it that says, make sure to use octane above 30. <laughs> like, you know, like you can't get th- like that's like fucking nail polish, like you know, and it will run off that. Right. Like, these things were not efficient, but they would run. They would yes. work. They would pr- promote power. You know, so they had to. So these engines back then smoked like a motherfucker. Like I got a motorcycle from the '30s that it's an oil burner. Like it fuck you, you you're riding it and it's smoking, and that's what it's supposed to do. It literally vaporizes the oil, and that's how it lubricates the engine. Like it's right, that, that, insane, that's like you know? when I was down at that air show, um, they had the DR8 and they fired that fucker up and we were behind it, <laughs> behind it. Like we were yeah, probably about open 50, your mouth, 30 yards behind it uh-huh. and they fired it up and it's a mean sounding son of a bitch, by the way, that's the meanest sounding airplane I've ever heard in my entire life. Anyway, so it goes off and all of a sudden we're getting the back, the backwash and I'm like, oh my God. And then, yeah, the, the, my, one of my mentors in reenacting is like, yeah, I don't breathe that shit in too hard. It's like castor oil, and it'll make you shit. I'm like, it's castor oil? And he's like, yeah. And then he explained it to me, and he goes, yeah, let's just get behind the tent. So he <laughs> went behind the tent, and they're firing this thing up for, like, all the people that are there. And then he turned it off within, like, three minutes, because he's like, I don't want you guys to get sick. But he's like, yeah. And I'm like, we were standing, like, 30 fucking yards behind this thing, getting destroyed by castor oil. The pilot? My God. <laughs> What the fuck? And so, yeah, the DR1s and, like, everything is, just, like, insane. Those and, scarves and, and yeah. goggles come in handy. Oh, yeah. Oh. Well, there you go. And, like, yeah. they were, yeah. Yeah, go ahead. That was one cool thing. I Actually, again, broken clocks are right twice a day. But when they mentioned the thing about the glasses, I'm like, that make, that's interesting. That makes a lot of sense. So, because you're going to fucking, usually pilots die because they hit shit, you know, in the mm-hmm. cockpit. Like, yeah. there was a famous thing on the TBM Avengers where there was a gun sight that would, was right in front of them that you could move here. That killed most of the guys that crashed. Literally, like they would oh, because it comes bam, back and just you're dead. bam, you know, you get knocked out. Yeah. Like literally, like those gun sites were known to be killers. And then the war, hmm. they by the mid part of the war, actually they changed them out. But it's stupid shit like that. So I did like that comment though, because it makes sense. You know, it's like fucking. You're well, it's the thing is that they got there was a few things that got actually pretty great in like little details, but it's like the majority of it was just a fucking dumpster fire of Hollywoodisms, and yep. it's just like. What what the fuck? Like, if you're willing to go that that first step, and I give you about ten percent mm-hmm. in accuracy, why the fuck don't you try to push it for? Again, it's yeah. the algorithm; it's what works. And but um, I'm going to tell this story. So, you know, yeah, sure. But one thing that and we're, we're you know it is true that like there's so few of the of good of like really good dogfight whatever aviation movies you know war movies and um, the, and and when watching this, I'm like, okay, I am so sick of like the, the um, you know panoramic shots in the sky and the the grand scenery and all this stuff. It's like I want at least one of these movies where when we're up there, we at least get a, a number of shots where like the camera is mounted in the cockpit, and all you can hear 
is the fucking wind and the engine and it's just like like i say shit's flying in your face and it is it is like gritty it's shit and all these movies it's these fucking up in the sky mm-hmm. it's just like this beautiful scenery and all that and it's i guess they're trying to capture the um you know the the idealism of being a pilot of flying in the great blue yonder and all this stuff and how wonderful it is it's like i want to see a gritty version of this you know like i want to see a scary version of this you know? The only thing that comes close to it, in my opinion, for and it beats out everything else, is Battle of Britain from '69. It's got some amazing scenes that you know show you the the glory of aerial combat, and then show you the tragedy of it. You know, like a guy goes out on his own, and he's a new pilot, and then you just see a Spitfire in the water. You know, it's like, well, okay, well, that's what happened. But there's a lot of cool things like that. But that's really the only film that I know of that really gets like the essence of dogfighting. If you or if you go into the silent era, or sorry, they made it 14 times, the, the talkie. Um, Hell's Angels, you know, those are the ones that really get close to it. But they're also using real planes, and it's all practical, and they were made sixty years ago. Yeah, least. of course. But like, I, I just, I, I yearn to see like a modern dogfight movie where the actual image of what we're looking at is like it feels real, and it doesn't, it doesn't feel like a, you know, like like a painting, if that makes sense. Well, like Midway. Midway yeah, yeah, it doesn't feel. All, yeah, it's just know. like super beautiful. Everything. It's like I, I don't want to see that. You know, I want to. I want to see I some mean, shit. I think at least for that, like I kind of get it because the Pacific is one of those like you know it's it's kind of like the desert. It's like this serene killing agent. You know, mm-hmm. it's like it's, it's so vibrant and everything, and it's so horrible. So I, that kind of makes sense. But no, I, I know what you mean on a scale. It's like there are all these grandiose things. Yeah, you know, and it's like no, it's it, it's soldiers in the sky. Mm-hmm. It's nitty gritty shit. And like, how much can you fucking push it to the limit without getting knocked out to shoot that guy down? Well, yeah, you know. And I've uh, I've always I've put I, I've said that like a great challenge for a director would be to do a like if they're okay for this this for example like a scenario like this we're gonna do World War One dogfights. Is it possible to do the movie to have to where the camera is entirely in the cockpit with the guy? Like, we'll get shots like from here, 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 and here. But we never leave his premises, you know. We never what what we see, like in terms of everything going on around us, is basically from the same area that he would see it. Shoot it like Flight of the Phoenix, where like it starts with them taking off, and uh, the whole thing is about the journey of the experience. Yeah. You're of, talking about of, of 60, 65 Flight the, of the Phoenix, right? The yeah. original, yeah. Okay, I haven't yeah. seen the new one actually. Don't. Yeah, the, we're just <laughs> I don't plan to, but like where it just starts, you know. The plane's taking off, and you're in it. You're immersed in the experience. No fucking love interest. None of this bullshit. No, no, no. It's well, like none of that. But like, no, no, no things where it's like you got the panoramics yeah. of all this shit. Yeah. But no, it's like no. Let's stay in that confined area because it is confined, and that's how it would be. Kind of, you know, the. It's been a while since I've seen it, but they did kind of do that with Dunkirk, with uh, the Spitfire pilot. But uh, then he also had like forty-five th- fucking thousand hours of flight time. Right. So. But he was kind of like, you know, they did a lot of shooting from inside the cockpit. But then they also, I don't know. Well, um, also in Dunkirk, this is the thing I was going to bring up, is he actually used short controlled bursts. Yeah, that was cool. So in, in this 90 film, seconds they, they, of shooting. they taught them, quote unquote, which I think the training was very under fucking <laughs> It's a montage. <laughs> it, it's a montage. It's like, what the <laughs> fuck? Like these guys. Do, 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 do. Do, 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 do. Also, yeah. what rank are these fucking guys? By the way, <laughs> it's, like it's no never idea. established. But I, no, but they like they said, tunics. some have collars, some don't, and it's like, yeah, yeah I was surprised. R- by well, that. it's we'll yeah, about the it's, so yeah, it's the uniforms are. I don't know, so I I won't comment. French, on that, but like um, foreign volunteer uniforms get really fucking strange really quick. Like 
I did a lot of research on the Harlem Hellfighters. They fought under French command. They're really fucked up gear. Um, these guys had really fucked up gear. Colonial French troops had very interesting gear. So it's, yeah, when you get into this fringe kind of stuff, it gets very convoluted very quick. Like, there was even an American um, expeditionary fort. No, it was American Volunteer Service or something. They had their own helmet with their own insignia and stuff. That was his own, like, volunteer corpse. Yeah, but... There's a million the, different random things. The helmets so. were also fucking atrocious in this film, but, like, we'll get to that. Um, <laughs> so what I'm saying is, like, the bursts in the air, right? Mm-hmm. They taught them short, controlled bursts. And they alluded to that, like, in their training for the first two seconds. And then it was like... It's like, no, that's not a controlled burst. A controlled burst is like five to seven rounds tops on your fucking target when you know you have the shot to hit something critical. And they were trained to do that. Like, I've, I've read shit about... Yes, they were trained because, again, A... Like they try to show in the film, if if something gets fucked up in your machine gun, that's on you to repair, or else you're up there naked. B, you don't have unlimited ammunition. Same thing in the Second World War, but like they figured out the belt feeding system a little bit better and the the guides and everything that they would put. But like, still, it's not it's not guaranteed. And so when they were sitting there just going, just fucking, oh, I have a shot. It's like. Trained pilots, like even untrained pilots, would not do that because they're like, "Oh, I'm gonna waste all my fucking ammo," and I don't know if that was a good hit. It doesn't take that many rounds to get a good fucking hit on a plane, especially when they're made out of fucking balsa wood and fucking canvas. And they're moving right? slow, yeah, very slow. Oh, yeah. And it's like, yeah, okay. So the, the DR one was a little bit more maneuverable than the. Um, again, Brian, you're gonna have to remind me of the French plane. Newport. Newport. Like the okay. cigarette. Yeah, Newport. Okay, I'll remember <laughs> that. Um. It's just a little bit more maneuverable, but like still, it's like again they wanted to make it a World War II dogfight film where it was like everything was going super fast. No, also hitting ground targets was not the fucking objective of pilots in the in the First World War. It was not. It was not. Pilots mainly like to to begin with, and then this is where it started escalating. Is like you're gonna just run over the enemy lines and you might get shot at by rifles and whatever small arms. You need to re- uh, reconnoiter this area. We just need to know what the fuck is over there. That's it. And then, so pilots would be doing the same thing. And in the, in the first part of the first world war, they would just fly past each other and like wave. Cause it was a respect thing. Like, Oh, you have the balls to fly this fucking thing. So do I this death trap. Okay. Well then they started to realize that like, okay, well, they just realized where artillery was. They knocked it out. Not good. Or, you know, vice versa, whatever. And they just realized this. They launched an assault here. They launched an attack and found our weak spot. Blah, blah. So then the pilots would start carrying sidearms up there. Not for if they crashed, because if they crashed, it was very it was a very honorable thing. Like even the ground troops would be like, okay, you're a prisoner now, but like, hey, you're an officer. We're going to take you back. Yeah, and, like, like you know, what we saw in the Grand Illusion. That yes, film kept coming through my head, and I was like, when was that made? Yeah, well, that, that, that's actually how most of the uh, contact with pilots were in the First World War on all sides. It was a kind of agreed-upon thing. These guys are fucking... They're not just officers. They're, like, kind of like... They're modern-day uh, knights. They're cele- Yeah, they're, they're knights, yes, like you said in the film. They're kind of celebrities, and it's like, okay, cool, we got a pilot. But anyway, these guys would start literally, like, at the end of this shitty fucking film start shooting at each other with pistols to like down the other pilots. Cause they're like, 
Well, I don't want him to see where my guys are, so I'm gonna I'm gonna just fly up nice and close, say hey, start shooting, and then they started carrying grenades, and they would drop them on any any positions, and like they, it escalated from there. But like when this film starts, it's like mid to late 1916, so that was kind of a thing. But it the dogfights really didn't start happening from what I've read. I could be wrong. Again, not an expert. Until like 1917-ish. I think like late mid. I think late 16, early 17 is when it starts. But 15 was definitely the age of experimentation. And I think 16 was kind of... I'm talking like the squadron dogfights. Not like the individual yeah, no, like one-on-one. Well, I'm going to shoot this that, fucker uh, down. A lot of the Germans actually honed their skills on the, on the eastern front for dogfighting. Because the Russians had actually kind of a big air force. Because I know that uh, Rick Tobin was on the eastern front for a long time. That's where he got most of his kills. And then he ended mm-hmm. up in the west. And that's where he became famous and everything. Um, but yeah, no, it was definitely a period of, you know, evolution as far as using planes and warfare. And it definitely, it right. did seem more like later war tactics than everything else, you know? And the fact that yeah. you see way more planes in the sky in every battle on either side than you do airport or pilots in each airport. Cause it's like, you know, here's 18 Newports. And then it's like, why are there six pilots? And half of them are British. <laughs> like, you know? Well, so, yeah. This, yeah, uh, that. this movie, it's fine. Ta- if you're well, it's about tactics obviously i don't really i don't know anything about that but uh when it comes to world war one you know uh fighters and all that stuff but um this movie just kind of like what, what i was saying about uh what's it called um the the tuskegee airman movie red tails yeah. um directed by george lucas and it seems like star wars and all that and also midway's the same thing this was also kind of like that where it's like we got to go get the big like we got to shoot down the big ship. You know, there's a part where they have to shoot down a yeah. bomb. Like, we got to go shoot down a big bomber. We got to go shoot down the Zeppelin. Like, it was that kind of thing of the, like, you know, that, that you see in Star Wars, where, like, the little ship goes up against the Leviathan, you know, or the, the meanwhile, ship. I think it's Wings. They have that crazy Zeppelin scene. It's filmed in blue light and, like, fucking explodes, and it's this crazy shit. And meanwhile, mm-hmm. here, it's just like, oh, it's the evil guys bombing Paris. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's so funny yeah. though. Like, one thing I do know a little bit about uh, with World War One uh, in the sky is uh, that the airships um, th- that was like a new concept, and it was like they could never get it to work right. You know, they could never no. really un- understand the. The only advantage really was that they were they could be up in the sky for fucking a long time. But um, other than that, like they're so slow, they're so big. I mean, the enemy's going to see them from my way. They can shoot them down, you know, <laughs> and uh, that that's the thing is they would have never made it because they had Paris like in the fucking like probably like two clicks away in the mm. periphery. Yeah. It's like, yeah. At, at, so at first there was a couple Zeppelins that went way above what they thought humans could go like mm-hmm. uh, vertically. And they dropped a couple bombs on London. Mm-hmm. So that scared the shit out of the British. And then they, they said, Oh, these fucking things could hit anywhere. That's where that came from. That, that was very early on though, before right. like the planes and everything. They were like, they weren't so. used that much, right? Like not that much at all. Zeppelins. Yeah. As far as like the role in this yeah, film yeah, yeah, yeah. in 1916. Yeah. No, no. <laughs> yeah, no, no fucking way. I was wrong. It was actually uh, hell's angels that has the Zeppelin part. Oh, okay. um, but one cool thing that I do know is that, so yes, they did bomb London. Um, and that freaked mm-hmm. a lot of people out. Do you know the countermeasure that they did to make sure it didn't happen again? So I guess you don't. So what they did was is that they, there's a lake to the north of London. And I'm not sure the actual lake or everything, but basically they had a blackout at night. And in the middle of the lake, 
they put fucking like rows of streets. And what would happen is, is that Germans would show up and they, were, they would see the lights and they would bomb the lights. Like, oh, we're close enough and that's it. So they didn't end up really bombing the city for the, the subsequent raids. They just bombed its lake. And they actually found bombs in the lake from the war before like they're in museums and whatever because they hand dropped them yeah exactly yeah yep. but yep. It, it's it's pretty funny that's you know it didn't work in the second world obviously because you have much more formations and things but like one random plane like you know big giant airship wandering over it's like just light the lake up they'll bomb that and that was their you know way to get around it pretty ingenious put um, a bunch of lights on yeah. the ground yeah it's just like it was so inefficient they they, they the germans stopped that practice pretty quick when they started losing a lot of them Mm-hmm. For oh, nothing, yeah. nothing gained. And like, there's well, like, imagine just how much one of those would cost to build, you know, and how long it would take. Well, it's a lot because oh, yeah. they're actually they're they're made out of this um this animal skin. It, well, it's a, a membrane of an animal. It's like a cow membrane. I forgot the name. Uh, Brian, can you look this up really quick? There's a name for it, like the the material that the zeppelins were actually constructed out of, because to handle the uh, hydrogen gas that would allow them to float, and yep. they had a couple cupolas below there. Well, but the, the other thing, oh, I'll look this up, is, um, what do you call it? Uh, so, unfortunately, the whole world know what it looks like when a fucking Zeppelin goes up because of the famous footage from the 30s. Which right. Hindenburg. Yeah, Hindenburg. Hindenburg. Yeah. 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 Yep. Long story, random insert, but my uncle, he was uh, in the city at that time, and he remembers seeing it fly over the city <laughs> and head towards New Jersey. So he's probably one of the last people to see it flying. It was like huge swastikas. But long story short, Everyone knows what it looks like, and it's horrible, you know. And in this film, it's not that at all. No, it blows up like literally. A, it blows up yeah. like a Star Wars spaceship. Yeah. Yep. You literally have like the best footage you'll ever have of a fucking airship going up in flames in the sky. And what do you do? The complete opposite of that. It's like, oh my god, you know, like it's like somebody like working on make nine eleven with three planes. It's like, what the fuck are you doing? Like, you know, <laughs> it's a video evidence exists. So. Um, Zeppelin fabric. Yeah, there was a name for this kind of skin. It was a membrane of uh, like cow skin, and it, it took a lot of fucking money and a lot of resources to to like put it on there. It's uh, what the fuck is it called? I just imagine like if a you know just seeing this actually happen, like a, a, a biplane fly into a Zeppelin and just like crashes into pieces and just bounces off, doesn't even explode the whole thing, you know. Oh, well, yeah, who knows? Like, the skin was tough, but it wasn't, like, invincible. Like, it might have bounced off. Right. But, but, like, with a Zeppelin, it's like a metal frame with that fabric, and then it has the balloons inside it. Oh, it's a wood frame. Oh, yeah, I'm wood sure. frame. Okay. I'm that's... pretty sure. Okay. I don't I know just, for sure. I just realized that yeah. George Lucas is the only person, as far as I know, to put two Zeppelins in movies. Because there's one in, well, technically it's his, but it was his idea for. Indiana oh, Jones. Last Crusade. Yeah. 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 And then this. So there's, <laughs> well, there's one man that has put Zeppelins in more than George, one film. George Lucas didn't yeah. do uh, this Flyboys. No, but isn't his. Oh, I'm thinking of fucking. Uh, Red Tails. Red Tails. Yeah. Dirt. Yeah. Well, I'm an idiot. But anyway. It's okay. So I there's only. We're all idiots, Brian. That's why we're doing this fucking uh, podcast. I don't know if there's a Zeppelin in Red Tails, <laughs> but I'm going to say probably not. Well, no, it, there, there's the Wolver II Zeppelin. It's an ME262. <laughs> yeah, did you did you happen to come across the name of that like that material that they used? I just, it said it was heavy. It's like powder. silver skin or some. So, it's just it's yeah. fucking weird. Um, mm-hmm. But it, it was a very specific, like very expensive um, yep. material that they used. And so, yeah, that you lose one of those, it's like Jesus Christ. That's so much time and effort, and material and money 
spent. Yeah. And yeah, so that's why they, they stopped in there. But like the fact that they just wanted to prove they could hit London. It was a psychological yeah. thing and it worked. Well, like the Paris you know? gun too, you know? Right. Like, Exa- hey, well, exactly. We're within range, yes. motherfucker. So. Yeah, we can hit you. Mm-hmm. Not going to be accurate, but it's scary. Yep. It was interesting too. Um, so I, I swear to God, I'd have to rewatch it, but I don't want to do that. But for during some of the, like dog fighting scenes, there was car rev noises for the engine. Oh yeah. Like I literally heard, I'm like a radial is completely different than a fucking V8. Oh, radial's way it louder. It sounded yeah. at points like fucking GTA. Dude, it's stock like motor sounds. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Literally it, that, that, I, I should not be hearing a camshaft right now. Yeah. Like, what the fuck? Like, no, yeah, it's literally just like, it's like how they, w- 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 when they uh, make monster noises for movies, how they'll take like a billion animals and put them together and then like, you know, mm-hmm. layer them and shit. It's like that, <laughs> but with, yeah, with like motorcycle and uh, like, mm-hmm. you know, truck sounds that they did for the engines in this movie. And it's so yeah. shitty. And, 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 okay, so let's talk about like the interaction and like the actual acting uh, as like when they're on the ground. Okay. Um, the acting actually like wasn't that bad. It wasn't horrible. I mean, they were people in the world bad? interacting. Ah, it's not bad for what it is, for what they were attempting to do in the context of the whole campiness of the film. Like it wasn't just like, Oh my God. Cause at the end of the day, I mean, whatever you could say what you want about James Franco, but he is a professional in his, his craft. He's gotten far enough to, yeah, it doesn't mean he's whatever. good. Hillary Clinton's a professional. doesn't mean she's well, good, but I'm just saying, yeah, they're qualified actors and they did a okay. job for this. Now I just thought, just I, thought did, I, did, I, I think the casting I, was not good for, okay. Not for all of them. I will say this. I'll just mm-hmm. caveat, not for all of them. James was not in his element on this film. No, because he's totally say. he's totally out of his element, you know. Because this right. is the guy from fucking Pineapple Express, and then here that, we go. that's the so. thing. It's like lighter fucking films, but like, um, and also like the uh, the the um, guy that they thought was a spy. I forgot his fucking name. The, the blonde dude, yeah. the hook. Yeah, yeah, and the German guy, like the fucking Black Falcon, the guy. Like, it's just like the stereotypical like it's, mediocre shit. Yeah, that's so, what I say. It's old school. Like, it's old school, but it's put into a. 21st century film. I have in my notes here, they were knights, not Nazis. Like when we had talked about earlier about like how they were so revered and they were pilots and stuff. And I'm not saying that somebody didn't strafe, you know, a pilot or whatever, but like, well, no. oh, Deb, Deb, thank you for reminding me about that shit yeah. show. No, here's the thing is they did, especially in 1916 before it shit got really fucking, I mean, it was real at that point, but like it had been, it had not been dragging on for four fucking years at that point. So, that shit, in my in my professional opinion, in the First World War, knowing how flyers were, that would not have fucking happened. He would have been like, okay, he's on the ground. I shot him down. That's it. They're going to capture him or he escapes. Big fucking deal. That's yep. not... that. Th- those kind of tropes... Okay, and so with the acting, the French officers... <clears throat> Just to bring up this great movie again, which we reviewed, you should watch. Illusions of Grandeur. What happens when they're shot down? They're respected. You know, let's Delusions have a meal together. Grandeur? The Grand Illusion. <laughs> the Grand Illusion. <laughs> I was like, now, have we watched now, that one? Did I miss something? What the fuck? We, we're going to drop our third album, uh, you know, Seasons of Change. This fall. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, yeah, The Grand Illusion. Yeah, okay. So, go ahead, Brian. Yeah, but, like, in that, you have Jesus the respect. Christ. You know, a mutual respect of, like... And that's know, that's how it was. Yeah. Like, that's what I was saying earlier is, like, 
flyers in the first world war were considered like, again, like kind of celebrities, like they're during, Holy shit. I met a flyer, you know, like, Mm -hmm. Holy fuck. And, and so, okay. Again, with that, the French officers, the way they acted when he, when James Franco's character takes a fucking plane that's owned by the French military, the French government, and just randomly peruses around, goes to see his, his, his chick, who's a solid seven, seven, I would say (laughs) not bad. I like I liked her. She she's a good looking girl, but like Our anyway, go cool. seven eight then. Fuck you. Oh, okay, just just to spite your ass, Brian. Um, but no, seven. She's good looking girl. But anyway, it's like she, he goes and flies there just willy nilly. It's like no 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 no. And then all of a sudden, you know, he's on this rescue mission, and it's fucking like. And then he gets like sort of reprimanded, and they're like, "Oh, I forgot to sign that." Oh, come on. Come the fuck on. He would have been reprimanded and put in the fucking stockade. There's no question. Like, the French, they're pretty fucking disciplined in their military. Especially at that point. And it's like, what the fuck? And then, you know, uh, especially when he's going to do this rescue mission. Like, oh, somehow. So he kills his engine 100 feet away from the fucking runway that he or the field that he's going to land on. And the Germans magically just didn't hear a fucking, a fucking Newport you know, from fucking 300 fucking or three miles away. Man, I can smell Newport from like a mile away. So, well, yeah, chest pounders, they're good stuff. Um, but like, uh, they can't hear a fucking airplane in the middle of nowhere, just coming in randomly and then killing its engine. And then the, when it lands and then they're just caught off guard. And then, I mean, give me a fucking break. That was such Mm -hmm. bullshit. Like, I was sitting there. I was literally shaking my head. I'm like, this is fucking, this is so, so stupid. I can't even do this anymore. And, and the, the dumb Germans, you know, and also, okay, quick, let's, let's, let's backtrack really quick and then I'll stop with my rant. So, well, no, I won't because it's around the same time is when, uh, what's his name gets, uh, his hand cut underneath the thing. Right. Uh huh. So we're led to believe this is very late 1916, probably early 1917. Right. When that happens. Right. I think so. And yeah. yet the Germans are wearing Pickelhauben. Yeah, I noticed that. No. Yeah, that's a good point. Dude, the Battle of the Somme, unless you're in a fucking reserve unit, not on the front, those things are not being worn at all. At all. Like, I mean, seriously. And especially mixed in. Like, they tried to make it look like it was like 1915, like like maybe 19 or like early 1916. Dude, they're going to be wearing Stahlhelme. And the French helmets were also 1926. Adrian helmets, probably Belgian, actually, because they're cheaper. Painted up, and they had the fucking, uh, the insignia on the front, the badges, like, gold or brass. No. No fucking way, dude. And then the the dramatic, like, death scenes and shit like that. It was just like, you didn't even fucking try. You got the color of the French uniform somewhat correct. The Germans were wearing gray. But, like, that's all all you give a a shit about. And it's like, Come on! Like, I think good there were, God! Like, just I think there were a couple. I think it it kind of switched a little bit. I think there were a couple of the uh, the M sixteen Stahlhelms, if I remember right. No, the, 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 it was half and half. Yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah, they were like mixed in that in. scene. Yeah. yeah, no, no, but it should have been one hundred percent. Right, of course. There, there. At that point, by late nineteen, especially after the Battle of the Somme in June of uh, nineteen, or was it July? June and Ju- no, it was July first started. July first, yes. So July first. 
1916, the Germans showed up wearing Stahlhelm and they had most of their guys equipped that were on the front line by about August. Mm. You see guys in reserve, like way back reserve trenches wearing pickle armor, but also they would not be wearing the spike at that point because in 15, the order came around to move the spike, to remove the spike and just wear it as like a hat because it would give away your position when you're moving the trench, blah, blah, blah. So they, they didn't even bother doing that. They were just like, oh, we're going to have the spiked hat and it's going to look great. Mm. That's the thing. That's World War One Germans, you know. It's like, well, okay, in fifteen, sure, I'll believe it. But also in fifteen, none of this shit would be happening. So hey, <laughs> like, yeah, it's just, it's four years, but it's very important to know the idiosyncrasies of all those years and all those uniform changes and gear changes from all sides, not just, not just the Germans, not just the French, not just the British, everyone, because it changed so rapidly because they were like oh, this is the new style of warfare, so we need to adapt immediately. And so, you know, you're going to see that in four years, a lot change as far as military gear. They just went on what they thought it should look like on the ground. And I'm pretty sure, like, people that are listening that know about the air air service uniforms will probably say the same thing, because, again, what rank are these guys? Mm-hmm. I'm, uh, yeah... I'm sure for those battle scenes, those trench scenes, it was like, all right, call up a bunch of reenactors, send out a call to tell a bunch of reenactors to come and bring your World War One stuff. And like a million of them, they never said what time it was supposed to be. So just anyone who showed up just brought whatever they had. So you get like, maybe, yeah, you know, but like, you didn't see any 400 pounders. I didn't see any 400 pounders rolling out there, <laughs> you know, like, so maybe who knows, like, I don't know. Do you, yeah. do you get the, do you get the fat fucks in uh, England too for the reenacting? Oh, Everywhere, <laughs> there's reenactors. Again, when I when I go to reenactments, I'm like, God, I'm kind of self conscious about my weight because you know I'm whatever. And I go, Holy fuck, man! You like, look like an Adonis compared to the other ones. Yeah, I mean, I look like a fine specimen compared to the, some of these guys. And I'm like, You can barely walk, and you're wearing a fucking SS uniform, or you're wearing a fucking stormtrooper uniform from World War One. Mm-hmm. Like, what are you doing here? Like, <laughs> come on. Uh, that's a good point. So, there were that you didn't. I didn't see any 500 pounders either. So I don't nope. know. But that's yeah, just kind of any... that's just kind of what it seems like, though. It's like just bring a hodgepodge of World War One shit, whatever you know. Well, that's the thing is like somebody whoever their advisor was did not do a good job. Yeah. At all, like it was. They had G98s, which was okay. And the French actually had Labelle 1886-93s, um, which was okay. They also had a shitload of covers on by 1916. Probably wouldn't have happened yet. Um, but okay, I can forgive that. And also, a lot of the French were just wearing their tunics and their, and their trousers. That's not the case. When you're on the front line, when you're a poilu, you're going to be wearing your greatcoat. You know, that's, it's part of your equipment. And for a reason, because it's an actual useful part of your gear. Um, practical nowadays, probably not, but like at the time it was, and it's just like, they, 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 again, they did, they did 10% of it. Okay. They did. They looked into it 10%. They looked into it, you know, as much as they could. And they were like, good enough, good enough. It's like, dude. Okay. And then here's the thing is honest to God, the average fucking viewer is not going to be able to tell a difference at all. Cause the French were in blue the Germans are wearing gray and they're the pilots are wearing leather jack flying jackets, which is correct. Okay. At the very macro level, that's very correct. Um, it's just that they, 
There's a lot of tropes in here. And it's Dude, just like uh, fucking, yeah. yeah. Um, one trope that I want to point out that I don't think I've ever seen pointed out, and I don't, I'm not saying this did not happen, but I've never ever read like an account of something like this happening, but it's in a number of war movies and war documentaries that I've seen. Um, and that is the whole thing of, Hey, uh, if we get hit, the vehicle is going to burn up. So here's a pistol to blow your brains out. If that happens, I've seen that in this movie. Now I've seen it in fury. I've seen that in, I remember a documentary where a German tank man did that. It was a re it was like a recreation. I, uh, I see that all yeah. the time. The whole thing of like, Oh yeah, the vehicle is going to burn up. So, this is the easy way out. It's in the DOS Boat TV show, which sucks, by the way. Um, yeah. yeah. Dude, no, I couldn't no, make no, it past 10 minutes into that. It was just... Oh. Yeah, it's terrible. But I've seen that to where it's like, oh, here's our sidearm in case we go, in case it catches on fire. We're going to commit suicide. That was I, in Pearl Harbor, too. Yeah, yeah. So it's in a lot of shit, and I agree with you. And, and here's the thing is, I again, I'm going to say the three words that most fucking people don't, don't say. I don't know. Uh-huh. It could have happened. Yeah. As far as tanks are concerned, I mean, in Fury, it was only because the guy was burning up. I've never met a tanker that was, like, going to kill themselves because you're going to burn sure. up anyway. You, you have five seconds to get out of a vehicle before it goes up. That's it, during the war. So, like, you know, if, you, if, you don't, if your canteen gets stuck on something, you're going to burn. Like, that's it. You really don't have time while you're burning and flailing to shoot yourself in the head. So that's yep. that case. As far as pilots are concerned, I mean, yeah, during the— it was a commonly known fact that during the Battle of Britain that your holster for your Webley was your fucking flight boot because you couldn't carry anything, you know, into the cockpit. And that if you had to, it was there. Now, how many times it happened? Who the fuck knows? Because all those guys died. But it was a myth and a rumor that went around. That's what and I was going to say. on the subject as well. Yeah. Yes. During the First World War, parachutes did exist. And there were some guys that wore them toward the end of the war. But it was, again, you modern knights and things. It was viewed... It's very experimental in, yeah. in a way and yeah it's also very experimental Yo. but like yeah so in a world war one context i mean it makes more sense because literally it's it's you fall out you, you burn up or you shoot yourself but it's i think it's really overdone you it's, know it's kind of yeah, like the piano wire like, thing during world war ii where like the, you know the germans put piano wire across the roads they 100 percent did I I met veterans talk about driving around the wire cutters panged every now and then. Well, they still but, do that shit in you know insurgencies around the world. Uh, like yeah, because yeah, because it, it works. But like yeah, you know, I've met three guys out of hundreds that say yeah, I actually heard a twang once. How many? There's 60 million GIs. So like it's just one of those things that just extrapolates into stuff. Well, it's For also example, like wh- wh- every German wh- tank is a tiger. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everyone, right. you know. But no, Brian, what, what you just said is like it's also relevant to the uh, pilots in the first world war. Is like in a tank, mm-hmm. you've got five seconds to get the fuck out of Dodge if you're lucky, right? Yeah. If it's not an ammo rack hit and it's not immediately going off, right? Mm-hmm. So with the planes, it's like you either you either you have to make a decision. You either try to land it or remember somehow in your brain that somebody told you a few months or a few weeks back rather that. You know, if you're going down, just shoot yourself because it's the easy way out instead of this painful death, which is also going to be very quick if you're going down. And so it's like, that's that's where I draw the line. Like, I, again, I don't know. I'm not going to confirm or deny that that's bullshit. But just from, like, the evidence that we, we see, it's like, put yourself in the cockpit of one of these planes that's spinning out of control. And there was a lot of guys, a lot of pilots in the First World War that actually landed their out-of-control planes, Right. But I'm sure there was a lot of them that hit the ground and fucking it was done. And then, but like, who knows? The funny, the funny thing is that, well, I, I'll tell you this guy's story later. But um, 
what do you call it? Uh, you know, a car today has crumple zones. So when you yeah. get in an accident, it, everything gets absorbed, the energy, and then you walk away. You might destroy your car, but you live. 50, 60 years ago, all the energy gets transferred into you. You know, you are fucked because you're in a steel fucking strong structure and you are the weak piece of flesh that gets thrown around the interior and dies from internal hemorrhaging. World War One, you know, planes back then were very fragile, but in a way they had crumple zone effect. Like you could, they were fragile but sturdy. It was funny. Like, you know, sometimes you could hit a tree and lose part of a wing and still manage to make it home. Yeah. Or other times, like a guide wire would just break on its own, your wing would collapse and you'd die. Like, they were very fragile things, but there were some funny leeways with them that, you know, in certain circumstances, you could just make the impossible happen. It's the engine. But the same token, yep. yeah. It's a plane that's made out of wood and fabric that's painted. So if it does really burn, it's not going to be long before it collapses. So realistically, if you're in a plane that's going up, like let's say your wing struts on fire or something, do you really have time to, to think, pull, to p- think, to react, and to pull a pistol and fight the G forces to shoot yourself? Mm-hmm. I mean, anything's possible if you really attempt it. But yeah. like, right. who knows? Well, it, uh, the know? reason why I bring it up is just because, like, this time when I watched it, I just thought, kind of like you know, other things from you know war, like the another one that I always say is is ridiculous is the. Um, because I do a lot of D-Day research and stuff like that. One that I hear all the time with that's all, you know, anecdotal shit is uh, the captain pulling out his pistol and threatening the boat driver, you know, like take the boat all the way in. Like that's another one that I hear a lot that I've never seen any real, like an actual story of that happening. Wasn't, wasn't there a reference in the dead and those about to die about somebody threatening to throw hand grenades at a coxswain? There might've been, I've only read that book once. I got to go back and read it again. There is a, there yeah. is a, uh, one of the, uh, in the first ID sector, um, in the first wave, um, on, on one of the Higgins boats, someone's uh, smoke grenade went off in the uh, in the boat, and uh, and just basically hmm. fried the whole thing. And there's actually there's a photo of it where it's taken from another hmm. Higgins boat, and it's just like smoke. And everyone was like, "Oh my god, it got hit!" It's like, no, some idiot set off his smoke grenade. <laughs> but, uh, um, I've seen that in real life, not on a Higgins boat, but I've seen that does and. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, it happened to a buddy of mine. He had a smoke in his pocket. It went off, and he we were on the side of a cliff. And he was like, "Ah, motherfucker!" He started dancing. We're like, "Dude, you're gonna die!" And he was like, "I'm on fire!" And he's like, "Try." He's like smoking and ripping. Dude, shit they off. don't. They still don't have fucking safety clips on those things. Yeah, um, they still like, don't. Dude, he literally the ripped the pocket off of his jungle, like with his brute force to get it off. Good lord! Like, it was pretty, some yeah, guy, it was some guy cool. lit a fucking M18 off in our fucking circus tent in Florida when we were doing uh, pre-mobilization training in 2009, and Purple smoke, I remember that. And it's like, what the fuck? And yeah, he Thanks, had Jimi Hendrix. Luckily he Yeah, yeah purple, purple haze. haze, yeah. But he luckily he recognized that as it was going off and he was holding it and they're fucking hot Ooh, yeah. Burn. Yep. And he ran out of the fucking tent and threw it out, you know, into the whatever. And he got his he got destroyed for that. But like it I don't know how the fuck it happens. It's like they don't have a safety clip on it. They still don't. It's funny. They have safety clips on, gra- on uh, grenades, but, you know. Um, yeah, like frag grenades. Yeah, it's just fucking just, insane. Just one random thing to interject, and then we'll jump into IMF. Yeah, no worries. Um, so this is a story I have not been able to confirm, and I was told to me from a very respected person that I trust, and everything else from them has been totally true. But a, this comes from a war correspondent that was attached to the A-2nd Airborne in Normandy. And he was he was in the operation, and 
he noticed that when he was on the ground in the, the morning of the 6th, there would be some planes that would fly over, and they were way too low. They killed the whole stick of, of, of paratroopers. But then the last guy would jump out, and then the, the cockpit would explode, and the plane crashed. And this happened about four times. He was like, what the fuck? You know, what, these planes keep getting hit, you know, right after the last guy jumps out. And his guard, because these guys were assigned guards and stuff, especially in the paratrooper operations because they're behind enemy lines, was like, oh, no. What happens is the jump master, his job is to, you know, make sure everyone mm-hmm. gets out of the plane. Yeah. And if he sees, because this is an only a second airborne thing because they had been in Sicily and Salerno, they had combat experience. The 101st yeah. had nothing. Exactly. So he was like, if the jump master sees that the pilot is flying too low to avoid flak and kills the stick, what the jump master will do is before he jumps out of the plane, he'll throw a hand grenade into the pilot's cockpit to kill the pilots because they killed 20 men. And then he will then jump out and die. And that was apparently a thing wow. in this <laughs> regiment of the 82nd. And I have not been able to confirm it at all, but the source is, is legit. And it makes sense in a way. And I'd love to maybe see if that's true, but that's in something else, uh, you know, that you hear. So I, I would... Mm. That's, that's definitely new to me. I never heard that. Spiteful paratroopers killing pilots because they killed Ben. I hundred percent see that happening, um, but I don't know. It's just yeah, one but of those they, they, it's like a history mystery that I just I'd like to to figure out if it's really bullshit or not. But if it didn't come from this person, I I'd be like, yeah, okay, buddy, yeah, I'll, yeah. But, but because yeah, yeah, this is a it's a really good source that everything else has been true. I'm like, I, I don't know. The, you know, Here's that photo still out there. That I was just talking about. Oh yeah, I definitely seen that. Oh one. yeah. yeah. <laughs> It's funny. Fucking retard. Right. So yeah. it's a very famous photo. Getting yeah. doused with this shit. But yeah. I like the lieutenant in the front's like, fucking goddamn right it. Here. No, yeah. Right. yeah. He's like trying yeah. to get over it. Yeah. The, a lot of people, this photo is usually, is usually captioned as, uh, you know, a boat hit off Omaha Beach. It's like, no, it's someone's smoke grenade went off. No, some retard. <laughs> you got to put that in your movie. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so that's documented in the, in the, the dead or those about to die. And that's sh- Okay. So if it's that's funny. just been going on since World War II with smoke grenades. Yep. Because the M18 mm-hmm. was around at this time. Why the fuck didn't we have safety clips on our fucking M18s? They've been around that when long. I was in the late 2000s. Something like, that, but like, yeah. But what the fuck? Like, come on. <laughs> there are safety clips on a fucking M67, on an M61. Uh, uh, it's like, you know, on a frag grenade, but it's like, oh, oh well. Dude, if you, if you pop smoke, if you're on a fucking tactical operation, I don't care where you are, from World War II on, you, you, the pin pulls, you pop smoke. There's your position, bud. So why the fuck didn't they put a <clears throat> safety clip on those smoke grenades? It's like, what? I mean, cause again, I've witnessed it <laughs> and it's like, what you'd think after fucking what? 75 years, right? Eight, no, 80 <laughs> years now. Um, or no longer than that, but like, what the hell are you doing? Right. Well, well, smoke grenades aren't dangerous. Yeah, the fuck they are. <laughs> I mean, they get fucking. Well, yeah. they get fucking hot, right? <laughs> oh, dude, they they get. Yeah, they will. You could fry bacon on those fucking things. <laughs> and also, it gives away your position. Right. Yeah. It's a lot of smoke in a very short amount of time. It's a lot of smoke. Yeah. And it stinks, and they can. It's just whatever. Like, <laughs> I don't make the decisions. I'm not that high, high maybe, up on the chain. Maybe now that we've said it, someone who like works in fucking ordinance oh, or they whatever. <laughs> we'll, they won't. We'll take they, oh, they fucking won't. Oh my God, no. No, nobody has that amount of brains or fucking like actually giving... Sh- these fucking people that make the decisions like that, these fucking retards, they've never the market fucking... market research has shown that... 
the last time they fucking handled a weapon or whatever was in basic training or boot camp or, you know, cause Marines, Navy, uh, whatever. And they don't give a shit. They're like, Oh, smoke grenade. It's just a smoke grenade. It's like, you've never fucking handled one. You don't know what it entails. You fucking clown, you bureaucratic piece of shit. <laughs> you don't understand it. So that's why you're never going to make the fucking change. Just put a goddamn safety clip or what they call a jungle clip on it. It's like, that's it. It's one extra step. And it would save a lot of that shit from going off and you'd save money, you know, from whatever. Anyway, I don't make the decisions. So (laughs) fuck it. Fuck it. Fuck it. Fuck it. Fuck it. All right, Brad, Brad, you got uh, IMFDB? Yeah. He's looking up something in his book. I want to look. Oh, you want to look up the part? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I want to remember it correctly. So. Um, but yeah, let's ju- jump to IMF. By the way, ju- just really quick, don't have to get into it again. I, I think that story is bullshit about the grenade in the cockpit. But anyway. That's fine. Um, but I don't know. Like I said, if it didn't come from this one source. Exactly. I but also they can remember shit question. wrong. That's the thing is like, even if you just get one thing I, wrong, it's like. No, I, yeah. I, b- listen, I, I know exactly what you're saying. But it's just yeah. one of those things where it's out there. And if you contextualize it in the right way, it makes sense. And maybe it happened once. Here's the thing is, maybe it happened once. Maybe the guy's got <laughs> oh, Okay, there you go. <laughs> yeah. We'll but look yeah, it up together. Okay. Anyway, yeah, um, let's just move on. Yep. Yeah, so uh, let me share my screen. From around you two little book buddies now. That's so cute. <laughs> Dude, this is a great book. It is. No, it is uh, really good. I actually, I'm not, I, I, uh, I think I'm Facebook friends with this guy, John McCannis. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I liked his. I only read it once a while ago. But he's got really good writing. He's pretty good. He's very easy to follow. So, dude, someday I have to specialize in something because I just cannot find something that like. What do you mean? That far in? Like I don't know. I, I'm just like fucking. No. All over the place as far as like oh. knowledge and research. Like how and, I hone in on Omaha. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Exa- yeah. You actually have one thing. I don't like. Do you know how many books I've read for this documentary project so far? I don't care, Brian. <laughs> I know it's gonna be like. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Yeah. I was going to say double digits, yeah, I, and I was right. I don't think I'll be able to to read all of them I have by the time we do it, but I'll be able to read them in post. Yes. I probably have another 30 more to read. Mm. I've literally found everything about the New Guinea campaign. I have uh, uh, I have almost every book on Omaha. but uh... all right, Well, me and Michael were talking about Omaha today, and he sent me these crazy photos. And he was showing me, like, he had, had a reference of a record that was in a lot of the photos. And I'm like, dude, you have to, like, know every single photo from the fucking, you know, thing to like realize that oh that record was parked at this point so i can use it as a reference yeah, right whatever exactly, it was there for yeah. a few days that's so cool it's like somebody's grandfather like fucking you know lost the keys for it or whatever for a few days and now we're using that as a standpoint to like do research oh, absolutely no I, awesome. i've had a couple guys who've uh who whose fathers were on omaha and they've sent me like photos that they actually took there and i'm like yeah i know exactly where it's that so is cool. and they're like really you know where that is like yeah i can tell you what that 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 is yeah so yeah uh, that's cool it's again it's like when you oversaturate yourself with the subject it, it, literally if you just get like one sentence of new information from a book it's worth mm-hmm. it it's worth the whole experience because you're adding to this picture you know and it's really funny when you like oversaturate on one little subject like omaha beach or first marine division it's like you just get these overlapping stories and you build this amazing photo you know picture it's like you got to read yeah the more you'll never be able to do enough research to really fully understand it because we'll die well before you read all the references and stuff but like the more you read, the more you get it. The more little you know things you'll pick out, that you'll be able to paint that's an amazing picture. Then reading one book that somebody misrepresents something or whatever. Dude, I know? find discrepancies so. in authors' shit all the time when it comes to oh my God. stuff. You know, so it's like, yeah, it. 
Uh, you got it's like you having it's like doing forensics sometimes. You're like, okay, it really is. Yeah. Well, it's it's being a historian. It's yeah. it's doing the empirical method of like you 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 take a shitload of sources, primary, secondary, and the less great ones, and then you uh, compile them all together and figure out what's consistent and what you believe to be consistent based on your research of like you know documents and all that shit. And then you have to fucking sift through all that shit and figure out, okay, well, yeah, that that record was here. And so that's where it's facing. That it was on here, you know, blah blah blah. And like, yeah, it's just so intricate. Um, the funniest thing do. that I found was I was reading so many memoirs from the First Marine Division that stories were lining up where it would be like a, a replacement after Pelu would be like, oh, there's one night the, the strangler came past our tent, and you know, oh, there was this, the strangler that was on Pelu that was killing people, and yada yada you. And then like four memoirs later, you read about a canal vet. He was like, yeah, Joe and F Company, he used to go around to replacements and fucking like throw shit in their tents at night and make them feel like there was a strangler around. <laughs> so like this one guy lived his whole life of being like afraid about this one memory because he's a replacement. In reality, it was a guy from another company fucking with new guys, you know? And, but you have to read all the books to like get the context to be like, oh, you get the full It's like picture. you solved a mystery. Read... <laughs> yeah, literally. It's like, oh my, there was like a few of those where it's just like they all talked about the same things because guys on the same island, whatever. And then it's like, holy shit, from like six different memoirs, you get the full picture of like, oh, wow, that's a lie. That's a conjecture. That's a whatever. You know, it's, it's just funny, but you have to do the research mm-hmm. to get there. Which they know? did not fucking do for this film. No, to tie it back no, in, hell no. So let's yeah, go through right. this. They did not so do yes. this. So yes, guys, we are an IMFDB. And uh, let's start. So Lewis Gunn. Um, yeah, so you see one or two of them. They did mount <laughs> them on top of uh, the wings. <laughs> Really, really quick. Sorry, I just like you said. Yeah, there's like one or two of them that I just kind of imagined you just and moving on. <laughs> so, like, what else needs to be said? <laughs> yeah, really. Lewis Gunn's in the movie. <laughs> they did pull them down though. From that, there was like a whole mechanism where you could pull it down to like your height to reload it mm. um, on the new ports. It's very interesting. But I was not all the new ports had them too, and I'm not sure if that was different per plane. But um, no, that was neat to see. I love a Lewis Gunn. Um, Vickers and stuff. So Hotchkiss. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's for, Hotchkiss. It was. Yeah, it was on. It was on a tripod. Yeah, there it is. Yeah, they're like repairing it. It's not. I don't think they mounted those very much to planes because they were so cumbersome. That's a Lewis. That's a Lewis. That's a Vickers. Yep. That's a Vickers. There, 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 there was a Hotchkiss. Oh, 14. fucking really? <laughs> no, they, they, they didn't get the right. They didn't get the right screen cap. But like, I, I saw it in there. It was okay. like, um, it was in yep. a panning shot. It wasn't being used at all, but like, yeah. That's oh, a recoil mech for the Vickers. after. Oh, you talking about that oh, spring in the front? Yeah. yeah. Yep. It's like a little cowling that goes yeah. over it. And that was strange. They had Vickers on French planes. I'm not sure how correct that was. I don't know either. Yeah, the whole training scene. Mm-hmm. That was okay. I mean, it was. Again, I like the training where like know. they had the different planes and stuff. Um, a little bit. They're like, let's but... montage through this shit. Yeah, right. <laughs> and the one Vickers was interesting, too. And the fact that they had the fucking huge sights. I'm, I'm pretty sure they didn't have those those anti-aircraft sights on, on the planes. Mm. Uh, I don't know. Again, I don't know either. Yeah. Do, yeah. Knew. Um, so now we're getting into the trench stuff. Yes. It's like they just wanted to have a trench scene. So here's the trench scene. And shit like did, that did happen every now and then where, like, fucking, um, you know, they had to land in. Um, Those helmets the, actually don't look that bad. They actually did have Vickers guns on Newport, so I was wrong. Interesting. 
Can you blow up that picture really quick of the crowd? Yes. I love the uh, the gun sight on the MG-08. That was cool. But they're not using it. <laughs> He's just looking over the top. That, um... Oh, the lug in the middle oh. helmet's bent. That's funny. Yeah, the lug in the, the middle helmet's a repro for sure. Uh, the one on the right's a repro. The one on the left is... I hate that it just looks like somebody dropped dirt on it. Yeah. Like, okay, we're it's good. shiny it's like, as hell underneath. Yeah, it's dry mud. Mm-hmm. Ugh. Hey, I'm sure it was a fun day on set. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> Everyone bring your World War II shit. We'll have a Also, they don't, they don't... Okay, pull that... I'm sorry, pull that picture up. I'm <laughs> still analyzing. Yeah, they don't have sorry, regimental Joe. numbers on their epaulets. That's bullshit. Mm-hmm. He's wearing white straps, too. Oh, yeah, that was another thing I was going to comment on. No, no fucking way. Mm-hmm. In World War One, nope. Yeah. Nope. The guy on the left, uh, never, I won't have you go back to the photo. Sorry, I was like, I, <laughs> nope, no, I think the guy on the left, I think back. maybe he has the bread bag strap over his shoulder, but. Uh, no, that's, that's a, a Y strap. That's a Y strap, too. That's a y strap. Okay, because the one yeah, I can definitely see in the center. See how it's tapered? Yeah. Bread bag straps are very thin. Oh, yeah, they're an inch. That's a cool yeah. look, though. I, I love it. MG8 50 Spandau. Oh, that was something I wanted to mention. Uh, he tells them nine millimeters. Nine millimeter, like, yeah. It's like, yeah, well, no. They're eight millimeter, but hey. I love the look of the aerial Maxims or the MG8. Oh, yeah. The, 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 the air cleared oh, fucking shrouds so on the cool. holes. Yeah. Like, you know, they didn't have to make them that size. Like yeah, they could have made the whole other system, but they just decided to make. You they know, made it the same size as the as the water yeah. uh, uh, jacket. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. The, they they the MG thirteen actually didn't have that, but yeah, they chose to go with these, which is fine. It's a very diesel punk to... type look. <laughs> There's this great yep. video game called Rise of Flight, which is a World War One flight sim, and it's amazing. And like you literally have to start your own plane and fly and and whatever. And uh, but they have these MG eights and stuff, and your guns would jam every now and then, and it's it's just fucking insane. But I just love it. There's nothing like two machine guns chattering in front of you and seeing the fucking charging handles fly back and forth. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, that, that's cool as fuck. Um, like, I'm on, on the Vickers. So I was like... Oh, yeah, you know. I have a Maxim whenever I shoot it and I see the fucking arm go back and I'm like, my knuckles are not going to get broken, I hope. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's so cool. Uh, oh, the Lebel. but hey. Covers, yeah. It was a I think it's the one scene where they get bombed or whatever. Yeah, and show the civilians. They all, they're also strafing a fucking. A yeah, they're they're strafing they, they refugees would not do or whatever. That shit. Yeah, like they would like, not fucking do that. It's just a, it, that was such. It's bullshit. typical, like make the Germans look evil. You know? Oh yeah, it's propaganda. It's it's just bullshit. Yeah, they're 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 wearing M twenty six helmets. Like that's. Oh really? Oh, interesting. They're not even wearing fucking repro M fifteens, which were around then. Good yeah. God. That one. This is where yeah, the, these, these are like Belgian fire service helmets. This is where they, the movie gets lazy. <laughs> oh, nice. Yeah. There was one scene where like a guy was reloading, but he wasn't reloading. And like it was when they run yeah. back into the trench. And I'm like, oh, that's Jesus interesting. Proust. It's always um, funny to spot extras. That's how you shot. Oh, oh nice, dude. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's fire this on training there. This guy doesn't know his asshole from a hole in the ground and the advisor sucked. Yeah. So I have to, yeah, I want right. to ask, because this is the only time I've ever seen this. Um, did the French have helmet covers like that? Well, towards the end, some guys, mm-hmm. but that's going to be a 17, like mid-17 thing on. Okay. Um, I didn't know that. It's interesting. I know Brits point, had them. I know that Germans had well, them. Well, also, same thing. Same story. 
And Germans use them very, they use them so sparingly because there was actually an order that like they were not to be used. That's why well, they put they mud on them. They used them more in helmets. pickle helms, right? Well, this, yeah. Yeah. Here's the thing is like they said when you're on the front, when you're on, or when you're on campaign rather, you will wear the Helmbezug, the helmet cover for the pickle helmet, right? Mm-hmm. But when the Stahlhelm was introduced, they were like, no, you're not wearing a fucking cover on that. It's a, it's a unit level thing. And most of the guys were like, nope. We don't want to do that. We want to look uniform. We want to show the ferocity or whatever the fucking mindset was. You see them, yes, but not in like the numbers that movies want to portray it. So interesting. Huh. Same with it's the a, French. It's, it's like look. it's like most of the time the guys just rub mud on there, let it dry, and then fucking yeah. Mostly every you know. world like British World War One thing. I see the Brits are always like have helmet covers. Yeah, and a couple of them did, and the Americans did not wear them very often. Like again, it's like it's like a five percent thing versus ninety five, and but they want to show it in the movies. They want to be special. But Didn't like, they, yeah, uh, they do that in nineteen seventeen. They had covers for their helmets. Uh, a couple, I of can't guys. remember a couple yeah. of them, but that's also nineteen seventeen, so it's accurate. Yeah. So yeah, here, here's the fucking scenes I'm talking about. Like, oh yeah, so here's the G ninety eight. Yep. Yep, the Gavir 98, and yeah. At least you got the regimental numbers on the front. 93, IR-93, okay. Also, oh, oh my God. So, yeah, they're red. So, Jesus Christ. The red yeah, numbers. Yeah, the volunteer ones versus the, re- the red no, 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 no. In 19, late 1914, actually, the regimental numbers on the uh, Hempetzug were going to be green because they switched from red to green because it was oh, visible. Oh, yeah. Yep, and uh, no, so Reserve Regiment would have R on the top of it and um, whatever like that, and uh, some of the Landwehr, Landsturm guys, it's Landwehr at that point, but like they would have like, um, I forgot exactly what they were saying, but it would be just, so these guys are regular, these guys, these guys are in a regular line infantry unit in an active like unit. In late 1916, no fucking way. <laughs> And especially they're wearing the chin strap, right? And also, so the guy on the left, he's got his pickle halbin on, right? Or pickle halba on. He's got his chin strap up over the cover. No fucking way. Mm. When you wear the fucking cover, your chin strap is underneath that. If you choose to wear your chin strap like the guy in the middle is doing, which usually wasn't the case, okay. But good God. <laughs> like, no. Oh, the guy on the right's got his fucking Feldman. Yeah, I saw, I saw that. No I saw, like, someone has a no soft fucking cover way. On. <laughs> yeah. No fucking way. <laughs> Absolutely not. Jesus. Yeah. So these guys, I think you were right, Mike. They just they just threw a bunch of oh, and then the duck bill. Second guy from the right, the duck bill. Oh. Oh. <laughs> yeah. You got the duck the bill, the, in, so. the cheap Indian piece of shit repro, and the, these are all repro helmets, and the, yeah, it's fucking not good. Just not good. Yep. Not good at all. So keep going. The shapes, yeah. you know, they, they pay a lot. The shapes. Oh, see, there's a stall helm with a cover on it. Yeah, he's it's a sandbag. It's not a helmet. He's also not going to be in that fucking spot that's wide open. Anyway, we'll just <laughs> I don't even want to No, if you got to. And also, dude, zoom in on that really quick. Hold on. Is that a Which fucking one? ZF 41? The, the sniper one? No, it's not a 41. Oh, it's 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 not even a fucking scope that they had. Nope, it's something. Let's go. The time would have been fucking. I, I forgot the designation, but it, it was fucking huge. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Okay, the burlap wrapped rifle. Okay, fine. All right, we'll move on. 
Yeah, just hand, yeah, the, hand, hand guns. Let me hand out the model 1892. Hand out the pistols so you can kill yourselves. Right. You know. That seems like more like That's on if someone had a. That's I was a wondering when the artist was going to die. And it's like when. I know. think that would be more of like you know if someone had a personal sidearm. The fact that they're it's a prop. The the fact that they're like their commander, whoever that guy was, like hands them out like this is what pilots do. We assign you pistols to commit suicide. Like the duel at the end, like the fucking. So just yeah. just a quick question. Yes. Have you ever has anybody here ever been in a car? Because we're Americans, that's a yes. And because it's a 21st century, that's also a yes. So when you're in this car on like a highway, you know, you're going fast down the road, like 60, 80 miles an hour, you ever put your hand out the window? <laughs> you know? <laughs> what happens? Oh, wow. It's you got some you know, it's like you, you, crazy wind it's resistance. Like you, you, yeah, it's like, you know, there's a, you're behind a shield that's shielding the wind from hitting you. But when there's no, nothing in front of you, you're the full force of that. And also, it's really good when you have your open part of your palm facing into the force of wind headed towards you at like 180 miles an hour. So that's totally going to be great. So you can just pull a pistol into that you know, 180 mile wind stream and shoot someone. It's not like your hand's going to open up and like it's going to get fucking flown away. No, that's not going to happen at all. You better so, aim like a... He's very strong. He's got, he's got a drink. You better aim like a foot and a half in front of him too. Yeah, exactly, right? But he's yeah. aiming behind him. <laughs> also, the it's, tracers, quote unquote, that they had in the uh, air that are smoking. Yeah. Like uh, no, tracers don't fucking do that. That fuck those. So, well, no, that that's because they want to show people they're shooting. They, it they want reality. That's the yeah, MFTB. That's, yeah. that's it. That's it. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. No, I was gonna. I was actually gonna mention those fucking contrails uh, when they're shooting. Yeah. Oh, it's like yeah. that. Brings me back damn. to like literally is like brings contrail, me back yeah. to like PS2 Grand Theft Auto. You know, like where they anytime you shoot, you get the big yeah the big white line. It's like no. right. I shot. Vice City was the best. Just end of story. It was. Yeah. Right, and it has those. It, when you shoot, it has those fucking contrails, just like that. Dude, yep. Vice City was so good. But, oh, San the soundtrack, really the amazing. fucking the vibe yeah, of it, it all was okay. It was Liberty City was yeah. fun too. Three, but, are you talking about Vice three? City was. Yeah, yeah, three was the first of like that that era. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And Vice yeah. City was the fucking best. Man. Vice City's like, good. Was... I like San Andreas still um, quite a bit. Man, Grove Street's my fucking did. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I still like I, I still like uh, San Andreas, but no, I mean that's where it was like, you know, became a huge fan. I mean, I loved three, but then when Vice mm-hmm. City came out, it was just like Vice City. Yeah. It's like you got you got fucking dance hall days in the Miami club <laughs> before you shoot it all up, or you don't. <laughs> it's all your decision. <laughs> yeah, you know, fucking great uh, times. That's one of the only video games that really got New York City. Like you know, I don't know. It's a very complex place, and it always gets misrepresented and stuff. But that game, it's like this. Yeah, you play a video game, you have a feel of what New York is like. Did so. you? Uh, okay, let me ask you this: Did you uh, going back to war stuff? Did you uh, ever have Frontline, Medal of Honor? Oh yeah! Oh yeah. my god! Oh, yeah, <laughs> that. Yeah. Nate, Nate just came up to my place not too long ago, and he brought an Xbox with everything. Frontline. I was playing Rising Sun. Oh, I love Rising, dude. Frontline. Rising like, Sun sucked. Dude. It sucked, it but sucked. I love it. I don't care what you say. I suck. It was a lot of fun. Love it. Front. Yeah. Okay. I played it. I played the. Show I don't know what happened too. to my brother, and I just Yamashita's gold is an aircraft carrier at the bottom of Lake AC. <laughs> dude, that doesn't front matter. Line, okay. Frontline. Front yeah. The fucking the Market Garden missions yep. were fucking killer. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, fucking. Love I mean, it. I amazing. The problem was I didn't have enough time to, to play it all, so I literally I got through Omaha and everything, and I'm just like, Nate, next time you come over, we're just we're only you're only coming over so I can finish this video. That's game tip of the iceberg, dude. Like, dude. Yeah, I used I to know. rent that. Well, I wanted to make from the video. I wanted store to make it to the HO two two nine, but I just didn't have time. It's the last mission. So yeah, the Hornet's Nest. I I know. Get the MP forty four, motherfucker. <laughs> like, 
<laughs> it's just kill like bunch of oh, Well, you guys, you guys missed out because you got the MP44 in Medal of Honor Underground. Underground. That's the first time you see it is in Underground. Yes, they didn't have yeah. it in the it, very first it, one. Yeah, in Underground. Yeah, you're in Vablesburg. Vablesburg. Yeah, yep, Dark Camelot. Castle. Yep. Yes, Dark Camelot. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> And it's like you get the Sten at first. You're like, what the fuck? This is awesome. No, dude, Underground was what? probably my favorite, like, uh, vibe-wise out of all that. It hasn't... Do- Frontline and second. Yeah, it has a different vibe than the first one, definitely. Yeah. Oh, dude, because you go, you go from fucking, you know, Paris... To fucking Africa. Africa, yep. And then back to, like, Jer- like Vablesburg. And then you go... Okay, Brian, go ahead. <laughs> I was going to say, what I found hysterical, because I literally have not played uh. these games in 15 years, in the very least. And the last time I had access to, like, a console that could play these. I, like, literally was going through the Omaha mission and the U-boat mission. And I was like, I think there's a med kit. Oh, my you God. Just, yeah. Like, I remembered. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, it's like, uh, holy, absolutely. I don't know what I had for dinner last Tuesday. But, like, I fucking know where the ammunition resupply is on the U-boat so I can get to the fucking... Like, it's... Oh, my God. It's amazing how the mine... I wish I could have been there for for when you guys did that. Um, Well, we have the technology. Yeah. We'll we'll bring an Xbox to the premiere. Dude, I still remember the fucking (laughs) cheat codes to the original Metal of (laughs) Honor. Dude, imagine the cast... Unlimited ammo. Unlimited ammo. Bad cop show. Imagine the cast of Reveille playing Frontline. That'd be hysterical. Dude, Dude. I'd do it anytime. Yeah, I'd fuck... I got got my shit right here. Oh, fuck yeah. Yeah, I got it all right here. Dude, do LAN... What's that? Do a fucking Four land a party. TV? Yes. Yeah. Do a fucking <laughs> land party. No screen peeking, <laughs> motherfuckers. Oh my god, dude. Bush is president, and you're going down. <laughs> <laughs> fucking yeah, that exactly. But, uh, yeah. No it's, peak. It's Rising hours. Sun. It was like so short and limited, and definitely obviously rushed. But like, yeah, I still. It's so fun to shoot Japs in that game. Like, I mean, the Philippines, yeah. especially like, with the type so, 99, the type 90. Yeah. Especially with oh, the type yeah. 99. <laughs> it's like, yes. Um, Pit, pistol. Was it pistol Pete? Pistol Pete showdown. Yeah. Pistol too. Pete showdown. Yeah. yeah. Guadalcanal. That's a great one. Mm-hmm. Yep. No, it's such a good game. And I also loved, um, Pacific assault. I never played one. that one. I always heard that that was, it was only for PC. I, I think so. Amazing. Because I always heard that that was like the rising sun that people wanted. That's kind of what I always yes. heard. Yes, that was a much more realistic. And actually, you start it starts out at Tarawa, and then you go through Macon. Actually, you go through Pearl, Macon, the canal, and then back to Tarawa, and it's really good. Yeah. They were going to make a sequel. Well, they were going to make a sequel to the other one, but then it didn't pan yeah. out, and then they made this one. And that was the idea, because they wanted to do Tar- They wanted you to find his brother, basically, or like 43 to 45, but I just, you know, some things just never come to fruition. Yeah, well... But Pacific Assault is like the, the best game I've ever played, and I still play it every now and then. It's 20 years old, and it looks like shit yeah. now. But like, here's the problem it's just though, so much with fun. that. Like, when that when that game came out, it was way more cinematic. I think they were trying to do like more, yes. yeah, yeah, stuff like that. Two thousand four. Yeah. It's like yeah. I want. I like my Medal of Honor storylines plain. You know, like I, yeah. I mm-hmm. like it simple. I like the fact that I never hear my character talk. I uh, yep. like the mm-hmm. fact that I only see their face in the artwork. I don't, you know. Well, it's because Call of Duty came out and they were trying to compete with that. Yeah, yeah. I, and I get it. Like, the literally, if you, like the, if you the first the Call recent, of Duties, like the first Call of Duties were like, you know, just linear. And oh, stuff, you know. Dude, like, the first Call of Duty, I actually I actually convinced my parents to buy me the, which is rare, to buy I'll me the first something. Call of Duty. And like, it was like fucking, I can look down the iron sights. I know, when I saw that, that blew my fucking mind. I remember that. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, holy shit. <laughs> that man. wasn't, it like, wasn't, the, that wasn't the first Call of Duty I had, though. The very first Call of Duty I had was Finest Hour. That was the very first Call of Duty I ever Call had. Call of Duty Finest Hour. Yeah. And it starts with, uh, do you remember that one, Brian? So 
I do. Yeah. I'm holding a holy relic okay. right now. I have had this for 20 years. Do you have the box? No. Is it? I have the PC Gamer demo disc <laughs> for oh, Call of Duty. Shit. Remember how they used to do out. those? Yes. <laughs> I, yeah, exactly. Yep. I fucking. You can put the first it. mission. The, the, yep. the fucking, you get one yeah, level. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yep. I fucking, I have it. Oh my and god! I found out my shit not too long ago, and I'm like, I can't throw this out. That was like, where I have that, to that, keep it. that was the issue. Is like, yeah. I got that. I got that at Walmart. That the same fucking. Mm-hmm. Of, of course, it's gone. Yep. And then I played it. and I'm like, God damn! I have to get this game. So I, I convinced my parents. I, I was, I was a good boy. I worked a lot around the house. I do extra shit. And it was like thirty bucks, and so like they bought it for me, and I was just like, I cannot stop playing this. And then we were at Circuit City. I know, dating myself. Circuit City, and there was this game called Day of Defeat. Oh, okay. On the fucking shelf for 20 bucks. And I looked at it, and I was like, can I please get this, whatever. And then whatever they bought it for me. And then I was like, oh, this is fucking cool. And I I got to play it for like an hour, and boom, Blaster Worm. Remember that fucker? No, I don't. What's that? The virus that like killed everybody's computer? (laughs) Oh, like, wow. like worldwide, uh-huh. bam, blaster worm. And it was like the computer would keep shutting down. And so we had to like, you know, they had to get the disc to reboot the whatever. And then, so I couldn't play it for like a month after I bought it. And I'm like, God, this is, so I was sitting there just rolling around by myself on single player maps. Yep. And it was like, okay. And all of a sudden I'm playing fucking day of defeat 1.6 online in 2002 or three. And I'm like, holy fuck, this is awesome. And then they're like, Juan, W-A-N, is phasing out. You have to download Steam in order to play this. And I'm like, well, I don't know what that is. I don't want to do that, <laughs> of course. So I want to play Day of Defeat. I download Steam. And they're like, well, you've now got Ricochet, Counter-Strike, <laughs> um, Half-Life, and all these other games because you got the CD key for this. And I'm like, so ends my life. <laughs> this is it. CSGO. Like, this is, <laughs> oh, my I'm God. Done. I'm done. <laughs> yep. Mm-hmm. Got, no, I got into CS 1.6, man. And it was fucking, that was the end of my gaming career. So I went from Call of Duty and I'm like, beat that, played it a million times, got sick of it. And then never went back to console gaming, was just like always on Steam. That was a, a magical era. Oh, yeah, dude. Oh, it was yeah. fucking yeah. awesome. I mean, like I said, I was, like, Call of Duty Finest Hour was the first one I ever had. Then it was Call of Duty Big Red 1. And then, yeah, yeah, that one, yeah. one. Yeah, that's And then Call one. of Duty yeah. 3. And then I think, I, then I ended it with uh, World at War. Or, uh, yeah, yep. yeah, World at War, well, yeah. World that's, at War was that's really when it good. Changed. It was, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, that, that was, Modern yeah. Warfare, that yep. was when, that like, was, the, whole, the whole thing as a, as a whole, you know, changed. Same thing with Medal of Honor. Yeah. It's like, they, yeah. they try to compete with Call of Duty. sucks. And it's like, they all just went to the modern shit, and I was like, okay, yeah. the, the, the Medal of well, Honor. Like, Warfighter and yeah. stuff? Yeah, so, it's just fucking I got a funny story about that I'll tell you guys. I, uh, the last... Involves my oh, fuck, we're still recording. Yeah, yeah of course we are. My bad. Okay, okay, my bad. We haven't even done our, like, final review yet. We're just talking about... Video games. fucking... Nerd nostalgia I, from the. I'll mid-2000s. say this, and then we'll jump into our reviews, uh, and yep. then I know Nate will we'll cut this up. But what do you call it? Um, so dating myself, you know where I bought Call of Duty at? Comp USA. <laughs> now that's some yeah. I don't think we fucking had them. We already. have that here, Comp uh, USA. I don't yeah, think yeah, anymore. USA. But uh, <laughs> so, no, they're they're gone. But yeah, it's like fucking a. And then Babbage's. That was another game store that was around here. I don't know if that Did was. you guys have Circuit Cities out there on the East Coast? Oh yeah, I have Circuit City. Um, I I, uh, I don't know if it's still there, but I remember where it was in Boise when I was a kid. Um, and the, the big red fucking yep. yeah, 
Comp USA closed in 2012. <laughs> so, um, when did Circuit City close? Can you look that up really quick? Just just for shits and giggles. I remember it was mid 2000s, right? Uh, it's still open. Still open, huh? What? Oh. Yeah. Maybe there's one Circuit City. City? Yeah. Maybe there's one left. Like I, the other day, I was thinking about it. Like <laughs> it's funny. The other day, I was thinking, like, is Sears still a thing? Like I, I don't think I've, yeah. I've seen a Sears in forever. I think I think there's one or two left, yeah. but because um, they they closed a lot of stores recently. It's kind of like Blockbuster. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. Like, you know, can, yeah. It's like we have to be like this is the top gear quote, but we have to be like Victorian hunters. Like let's kill the last one. <laughs> you know, like, um, find it and kill it's it. It's funny uh, <laughs> when I one time when I was uh, when you and Mike, you and I were driving, I was telling you a story about something that happened to me, and uh, you never heard of this coffee chain. I'm curious if Brian has it there. Uh, Dutch Brothers. No, it doesn't really? <laughs> That's so weird. Yeah. That's like the Starbucks here. Oh my god. That's yeah. funny. Uh, Dude, everything out here is fucking Duncan. Like literally, there's probably six Duncans in my town. Really? And that's Jesus. common. Oh yeah. Like no shit. There's Duncans across the street from other Duncans and they fucking There's survive. only one of those out like, here. I have a buddy of mine that <laughs> I went to fucking Germany a few years ago, right? And I'm like, you know, seeing the sights. I go to Berlin. Like I actually walked the route of the, the sixth shock army, wherever it was, to the Reichstag. It was really cool through the city. I get to the fucking Reichstag. I get to the Holocaust Memorial where the Reichskanzi was. And there's a fucking Dunkin' Donuts there. <laughs> I'm like, I can't escape these. They fucking follow me everywhere. You know? Like fucking Dunkin'. They're fucking everywhere. You don't understand it. Holy shit, kid. But anyway, <laughs> if you're still listening and we're still talking about World War I, we're yeah. now jumping to our <laughs> final review. Oh, good. So. My, my bad. I, I literally, I, for, in my head, we just got on the topic of I think everybody nostalgia. that listens to this is a, is a video gamer. Or games or whatever, so it's fine. Mm-hmm. And yeah. Nate will snip right. it up anyway. So, right. but yeah, yeah. So, final thoughts, um, Michael. Uh, what do you think? Yeah, just it's boring, and uh, th- yeah, that's that's kind of it. It's uh, very poorly researched, and that you know, someone who doesn't, who's not a, you know, someone who is a novice when it comes to World War One stuff, it's like you can just tell that this is like surface level what they wrote. They never consulted with you know history. They just so someone saw a documentary. And decide to make a movie about you know that, you know, <laughs> yep. and uh, so I I didn't expect it to be great. Honestly, like when I saw it years ago, I'm like, it has James Franco in it. I he's kind of like nothing to me, um, whatever. And I kind of knew it was going to be cheesy. I didn't hear anything good about it. And revisiting it, it was the same thing, you know, except the fact that uh, whatever James Franco, you know, he's a pre- he came out that he's a predator. So there's there's that uh, knowledge now to the whole to his whole thing. Oh, that's a good yeah, point. Yeah, so it's like about the whole me too. Fuck so. him, yeah, and everything he stands for. So too old, <laughs> too dude. It, old. It's amazing all these people like from our childhood that are predators. Like the guy from that '70s show. Like, Which holy one? Fuck. Oh, uh, forget the guy that's the longer hair and shit. Uh, oh, the curly hair, son of a bitch. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like he that came out recently, but. Okay. Yeah, but don't meet your heroes. Yes, but um, but anyway, and uh, yeah, shitty lead actor, um, just 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 generic ass story, and the way it's told and directed, and all that shit, and uh, yeah, uh, fuck it, uh, I'm gonna give it a three, and uh, there you go. yeah, I'll pass pass it on to Mike. Yeah, um, it's a good way to put it, is like, it's just fucking like somebody watched a documentary and was like, ooh, let's make a film. Just like willy-nilly. It's like, come on. Like, what are you doing? And, 
you know, James Franco again. I'll rag on him again because he's, I just think he's, he's shitty in everything he fucking does. I've never seen anything that I actually think he's good in. Also, I don't know why he's a parody. He was, he was fucking Allison Brie. Who? Like, Allison Brie? Oh, shit. Yeah, like, fucking goddamn. Yeah. Like, yeah, she was like, yeah, it's, she's definitely, but like, he, he was, he was, like, what the fuck, man? But anyway, that whole thing aside, like, he just ruined the whole fucking thing right off the bat. I'm like, okay, give him a chance. And I'm like, oh, no, we're just watching James Franco try to just fucking weasel his way through this and whatever. Um, the poor research really sucked. It's like, I don't expect people to be fucking experts on Roar One, but like, again, because it's not this super popular pop culture fucking topic like World War Two is, or the Civil War, well, World War Two, but we'll just say, it's like people just don't give a fuck and they don't think they have to because people just buy it. And that really sucks because like, this is a cool story because like, yes, Americans did volunteer to go over and they, they, they would go over and fight with, you know, the Canadians, the Brits, the fucking French before we even got involved. It could have been done so much fucking better. And just the people that don't know anything about military history whatsoever, making a military history film, you can, you could definitely tell. But again, I guess the masses won't tell and they might think it's good because whatever, but like, it, there's just so much shit wrong with it. Like we've already discussed it. Um, yeah, this is going to get a fucking solid three and a half. Um, because again, like I, I say in all these reviews, at least somebody might pick up a fucking book and like go to like try to learn more about the Flyboys in World War One and like how dogfighting actually happened and all that shit. But like, it's it's so bad. It's just not good. Yeah. No, it, it really, uh, yeah, you know, whoever reads a book after watching the film definitely read more books than the author or than the, uh, the script writer and the fucking director. But, um, yeah, no, to put my few cents into it, um, it's enjoyable to a novice. Um, it tried and it failed. There's a few good, interesting scenes. Like every film has a few good ones. Um, but overall, it's barely watchable. It's just very hard. And like I said, I literally was more interested in retro fucking commercials by like 30 <laughs> no. minutes in than the no. movie. I'm like, oh, Brian Crankson is so bad from 1983. <laughs> but like fucking, yeah, it was rough. Um, so, so that being said, I'll probably, I'm going to be a little nice with it. I'm going to give it a four out of 10. Because again, you know, it's, if it gets you involved in the subject, that's great. And it will move you towards better films that were made almost 100 years ago about the same subject. Also, so, they, they did have LaBelle yeah. rifles in there. Yeah, you know. Let's I mean, be fair. There are some interesting yeah. things, you know. And we got that's, to see a guy with a hook shoot down a plane. So that's something. I don't which know, also you know. can be done. It's like, imagine if Peter Pan happened to... I mean, that's the origin story for the hook. You know, fucking... He was in World War One, So, after you robbed the bank. But, yeah. So, <laughs> route, tallying up all the scores... Um, to see yeah. if this movie is good or not, we get a number of 3.5. So the answer is no. <laughs> uh, yeah, would not, I actually would not recommend this. Um, unless it, it's not even educational, it's not, it's like, it's, it's not. If you're looking for a movie to get drunk to with your buddies, I mean, hey, 
Every Perhaps, time they, yeah. they get in a plane, drink. <laughs> I don't know. Um, <laughs> it's uh, it's something. It's a movie. It's and a, that's all. They, yeah. It, it's yeah, it's, it's a, a movie. movie, all right. Yep. It was badly written, badly cast. Really the writing boring. was horseshit, and then yeah, they act. It's just those two combined, and the yeah. the poor like yeah, the trifecta of shitty filmmaking is like badly written, badly cast, and badly researched. I used to hear more about this movie. I haven't in the last few years. And mm-hmm. I looked up the box office numbers, and I kind of see why. You know what the budget for this movie was? Huh. 60 mil. Good Lord. Six zero? 60 mil. You know what 60 they made? 60 million? Jesus. Oh um, probably... Probably not 20? that. <laughs> 17. <laughs> so I was close. I was close. I yes. was close. Yeah. So it was a flop. But still, that's a loss. That's a flop. Yeah. That's oh, fucked. Yeah. yeah. But again, like I said, like 10 years ago, five years ago, I heard about this film a lot, like in everything. But like, because I'm on a lot of the, the more movie faces, uh, Facebook faces and shit. But like, no, I really haven't seen and talked a lot about. So when I found it again, I was like, oh, cool. World War One, you know, flyers and everything. But yeah, I, I just I, I hate all these fucking movies that we watch that the topic. It's the, the, the subject matter is fucking fascinating. And they just butcher it to the nth degree. For it's so some- fucking terrible. For some reason, the best World War One dogfight films were made within twenty years of the end of the war. Yeah, I suppose it costs less. You can get the original shit, but like, still, like, but, I mean, was sixty million, Brian? Sixty <laughs> no, million? I know. Yeah, it was Six, an attempt. Oh my god! Failed, like, so. what the fuck? Like, you give well, you give crazy. you give us amateurs sixty million. I'll make a better fucking film about Flyboys than they well, did. You know what? To put it in context, you know what an average TV show costs today? Like HBO. Right. Like twenty five to sixty million, and they they shot a movie for what they shoot a forty five minute long television show today for. So yeah, I you know, get it, I get it, but still, like, oh, it's crazy. I, yeah. I don't know. It, it that's a lot. I mean, that's that's more money that I can conceptualize in my fucking head, and it still just fell that short. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I get it, but like, it it, it always baffles me how much shit there is out there that gets produced. And it's like, somebody had to write this. They had to pitch this. They had to convince somebody to put money into it. Yep. They had to convince other people to get involved. And they had to hire people. Like, so much shit had to happen for this horrible ass right. piece to fucking show up on my screen. You know? And it's like, wow. So imagine all the good films that didn't get made because, you know, my the, the grandfather was related to Warner Brothers. And now I want to make Legally Blonde 17, you know, Kukumungo. <laughs> Right. So, yeah, but. I get it. But like, it was just very fucking disappointing because the subject matter again is excellent, and it just fell completely fucking flat. We have had not too. We've had a lot of bad dogfighting films, so we're gonna have to do a good one. So I think we'll, next time we'll do uh, Battle of Britain. That's a good one. That's got. Well, some that was also scenes. highly requested on the uh, on the on the oh, poll. Yeah. That was the second yep. one when we did. Um, mm-hmm. What the hell did we do? Um, I think it was Black Hawk Down. Yeah, it was Black Hawk Down, yep. And then we did uh, Battle of Britain, and they were like, I love Battle of Britain. It's so fucking oh, good. Oh, Battle of Britain is, is probably the best uh, dogfighting I think it's I saw a real dogfighting sequence. Yeah, I, 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 I saw that so long ago, I hardly remember it. Same yeah. here. It's exactly where I'm at. Like, so it, I think it would be what good. I, so, yeah. The last battle of that is just magnificent. Because they, they talk about aerial combat different ways, and the last battle is like probably a good solid 15 minutes of dogfighting and, and characters you know just dying randomly over like very good orchestral, like, classical music 
and it's just like you know it, it's just amazing the juxtaposition yeah yeah it's just like and like yeah. guys planes like there's literally h111s going down and it's like bump 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 da 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 it's like spitfire and it's it's really good it's like guys like dudes trying to crawl up their crashing their their diving bomber to get to the escape hatch and not making it like it's it's very well, well done. Don't fucking ruin it, Brian. Like we this. haven't seen it in a long time since so basically we haven't seen it. So, oh, sorry, I gave you one scene out of a two and a half. <laughs> it's hour a long ass thing. So, I remember it's, that. Yeah, it's, yeah. no. It's great, so though. I think I think so. yeah I think so. We started out because I don't know if we've done like an aerial dogfight. Kind of we did midway, any, which kind of touches on it. That, dude, Brian, that doesn't that does not fucking count. That's, I know, but it's naval battle that has dogfights. So <laughs> okay, okay, I'll give you that. So then we did. We've uh, done two shitty ones. Then how about that? We've done we two did, shitty ones. What was the one with Owen Wilson? Fucking oh, uh, behind, <laughs> behind enemy yeah. lines. Yeah, that was yeah, the week that, that was, I couldn't be there, and I was like, yeah, yeah. that wasn't really a wow. Dog. Yeah, but that like, was interesting. Um, but anyway, but yeah, not um, a dogfight. I think I think man I think, fighting a missile. Yeah, we 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 owe ourselves in the audience uh, a, a good one next when we do this topic. Yep. So, heading to the teeth of the Battle of Britain. So, yeah. Well, thank you for joining us. The podcast about Call of Duty video games. <laughs> uh, it was a lot I of keep fun. going. Medal of and, Honor. Uh, Medal of Honor. <laughs> oh, same dude. So, if you want to, uh, you know, keep listening to us, pay for the extended content. Now. Um, but uh, yeah. So hopefully Nathan enjoys his incarceration behind you know German lines, and we'll see him in three years. <laughs> about hundred pounds, you know. Uh, Thinner and uh, no teeth and no hair, but way it goes. Good luck. <laughs> <laughs> and on that note, thanks for joining us and see you guys next week. This movie sucks. Thanks for joining us. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure to leave a rating. Otherwise, Mel Gibson won't stop screaming. If you like this content, make sure to check out our Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram pages. If you want to directly support our work, make sure to check out our Patreon. All these links are in the description below. Until the next time, Scuttlebutt out.